and welcome back to Scav Talk, everyone. Today's episode, we are up early, at least for me, because we're recording this Friday morning, 5 a.m. You know, you just we're just so dedicated to this show, game. You know, I woke up, <laughs> I totally wasn't DJing, staying up late at night. No, 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 but Gig is, uh, Gig is flying out of town tomorrow, so we're uh, recording this a little bit early. But we're here to talk about Tarkov, some of the recent community happenings, and a bit of a further discussion on some of our previous ideas about recoil, gun mechanics, balancing, and then finally we'll close out with the uh, interesting game that's popular all over Twitter and social media about Unrecord, the super hyper-immersive body cam person shooter that's in development. So, Giga, what have you been up to in Tarkov? Well, in the Tarkov land, I'm slowly making my... Oh, God, I get to, it's so bad. Because like, you know now I'm like streaming on YouTube as well. It's so yeah. funny because I didn't really think about how some of these things... like The difference in even just mentality and community. And so I put up on like my title because I want to test out... Basically, I'm just like going through and testing out each weapon after this 15% change, right? And you need to give it like a proper run out. So it's like getting a, you know, a couple of days on each gun, like different guns I'm interested in, that kind of thing. And I put out, you know, checking out the SVD with the, with the recall changes, da, da, da. And, like, so many people came in. Because, like, people on YouTube, obviously, take the title really seriously, right? Whereas people on Twitter don't really care. Oh, so not, not Twitter, so on Twitch, don't really care. Hmm. And I just didn't really think about it too much. And so many people came in just being like, what changed? What happened? Like, what, what's going on? I'm like, <laughs> oh, it's the 15, you know, the 15%. We're just, like, figuring out, oh, so it's clickbait then. And I was like, wait, 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 hold on a second. No, they're just like, brother, that was, like, two weeks ago. I was like, yeah, I know, but I haven't used the gun since then. Like, what? He was. So I actually had to I had to change it because like a chat That's was getting funny. so distracted by the title on the YouTube side. I was like, goodness me. Like, I was actually quite surprised. I was I was quite surprised. So anyway, you know, it's like it's still a learning experience figuring mm. out just the, the mentality as well of the different communities. It's it's funny. But um yeah, so needless to say, I've been using the SVD a lot. I still had Punisher 6 to finish because my broad goal this wipe was to sort of meander towards the lightkeeper. And the meandering does not require Tarkov um Punisher Part Six, so you can do Punisher Part Five, and then that's it, right? And okay. like the SVD, it doesn't normally fit into my usual game cycle unless I'm specifically doing that quest. And so I just I just left it and did the other things. So I was like, well, you know, we've got long line to do, we've got Punisher Six to do. Um, I kind of I was taking a little bit of a break from finding the CFDM radios because like I just didn't want to spend like, two yeah. weeks just spamming chalets over and over right, again. And I just right. didn't really want to deal with the road camp. So I was like, let's take a break. Let's play some interchange. Let's check out the lighting as well at the same time. Cause I haven't played a lot on interchange since then. Um, and we'll, and we'll see. And so I've been taken out there. We got punished six finish. We've got like a bunch of kills down for a long line. And I actually think the SVD works really well on interchange because it's that it's that DMR experience. And there's so many yeah. areas, as long as you pick your place properly, there's so many areas that are, the right they're the right range for it you know and you yep. can keep yourself at the right distance and there's places to escape and yada yada so it's been interesting like i think i feel like most of the fighting i've done has been around idea and the idea office for some reason like i, I now randomly feel like more comfortable there than other places i always used to be like an ollie boy mm. and now i'm and now i'm like an idea office kind of guy and um it's cool. There's, I've got a video coming out tomorrow about the SVD, and there's like a bunch of fights in there. There's one which is like really nuts. There's like a team of three that like walk in, you know, they're like walking in all tactical or whatever. And I'm like actually up on the balcony. This is like on the idea entrance. And I'm up on that balcony on the, you know, so you yeah, come in on yeah, the yeah. left. And I like track them, track them, track them. And as they start to like go towards the office, I'm like, bang, shoot the first guy, like lay a load of shots into the second guy. Um, the, the front man like runs into the room. Are and you I unsuppressed? Him, 
Uh, no, I was suppressed. I was oh, suppressed. Okay. I'm go- I've gone all suppressed SVD because it's just it's it's just too obvious. <laughs> like if people know what yeah. they're, they're like, that's an SVD. It's right there. You know. It's like, but I, it's I just... love the unsuppressed SVD because I feel like it strikes the fear of God into men. <laughs> it's just it absolutely so does. It absolutely does. But yeah, the the front man like ran into the mm-hmm. into the room, and then I watched him just get like pinned to the circular like glass bit by someone else on the other side. Oh. He just got like full autoed by someone else. And I was like, oh boy, these guys got like a properly pinned between me and someone else. And I did like the most epic flank through the whole of idea, like mm. right away so no one would hear me, all the way to the other side, shot one guy as he left the office and tried to double back on himself, killed him, and then looped all the way back round again and yeah. killed the final guy as he was looting. It was like the most epic like flank kind of, you know, SVD play thing. It was, it was awesome. It's cool when those kind of things work out. So, yeah, the SVD's been really good. I've been enjoying that a lot. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm just thinking, like, what gun to move on to next. Like, I keep wanting to, to use the MP5 SD, and I've used it a bit, but if you get into those, like, slugging fights where you can't snap a headshot, it's just, you don't win, you know? Yeah, yeah. It definitely has its weak points, <laughs> but I, I yeah. love seeing you glow up there and brighten up when you talked about the, the epic flank across mm. the... That's that's like one of my favorite things about interchange. And I hear a lot of sentiments that, you know, that that's they like labs because you can do all these flanks and you know interchange is kind of similar ish. And uh, yeah, I think you're coming around. You're starting to see the light now that the lighting's turned on in interchange. You can see the. Light. Yeah, I I don't know. I I, I kind of know what you mean now. I think before because I didn't have like I knew the map broadly speaking, but didn't have right. like the, that that kind of intimate knowledge and th- that sort of like. The nitty gritty knowledge of it piecing together is like it's starting. It's starting to arrive. Where mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, this guy's here. I'm here. If I go underneath, I can loop through these stairs and get this angle and stuff. Like it's it's starting to come yeah, together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and with the lighting, I feel a lot more confident actually making those pushes because if if I run into somebody along the way, I might not die immediately when when I run into someone because that was always the problem before. It's like you're running, 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 and then you just at one shot out of nowhere while you're halfway through making some maneuver. Um, it still did happen. I posted something else on Twitter, which I was just wandering along and just got Magnum buckshot in, in the side of the face by a guy like in the planters, you know, and it's just little shotgun and a guy's head over the top of this thing. It's insane. It's a bit unfair posting yeah. it to Twitter and being like, spot the PMC. Cause like the only way that you're really going to spot it is by seeing the movement, right? Like watching mm-hmm. a static frame. No one's ever going to see the guy. It's like, it's only the movement, the motion of the person's head through the foliage that you're ever really going to spot, right? Because that's what humans are good at. You know, we're, we're predators right. by our very nature. So the um, it's the, the the movement of things is what we're really good at seeing. But anyway, yeah, no, so talking about guns that strike fear, and I will lead into the first piece here, but um, the guns that strike fear into the heart of, of our enemies. I actually fought another streamer, the, uh, the German streamer, uh, Moin Summit. I, I hope she's streaming German. She was, she was, she's, I'm pretty sure she's talking in German on her stream. Anyway, if, if she's not German, then I'm probably start some yeah second kind of internal european war but anyway um so i fought against her and we were outside i had the svd and she had the xmc mm. and we it was actually an interesting one because it was the little footstep bug so i knew where she was oh, and knew no. that she was coming and i turned around and i'm like around one of the sort of cargo container type things and um we both shoot each other at the same time and you can see on my pv i'm actually wearing the ttsk rig and because fmj is 47 pen I think mm. the AXMC, because obviously no one has AP, Lapur right. AP. Um, it's really like I don't think it can. It's very unlikely to uh, to one tap a class six because of that. I think it's really low. It's like three or four percent. I think so. But the armor damage is insane. But anyway, so I just like tank this shot from a, from a FM AP. Oh, sorry, not AP. 
from 338 FMJ and yeah. you see the like the dust clouds like <laughs> yeah my guy yeah. I was like oh boy they've got a huge gun oh my god like, we're just going to leave and I just literally like scarper and then we end up meeting each other later and I managed to get like a long shot through from kind of a similar place it's like up by outside of idea office and she was like all the way to the other end where the escalators come up like before you get into the main mall um she was like all the way along there and I managed to get like a 100 meters headshot on her that way which is which is kind of neat because it was shooting and stuff so it was just like a kind of unlucky timing mm. um it was really funny actually watching the two clips together it was really weird because we both fire shots at the same time we both then pull back with our thoraxes damaged um actually and, and this is something also interesting that i'll link into later that's, that's intriguing is that actually her shot went through my arm into my chest and mm. then got blocked um because so we'll, i'm going to talk about some of that stuff later but anyway so we both like shoot pull back exactly at the same time on both our screens both pull out a nade pull the pin throw the nade the nades go over like this they both go off at the same time i use a stim she moves into another position then we both get our med kits out exactly at the same like it's so weird looking mm. at the two povs like it's it's almost like we're synchronized like completely mm-hmm. really odd it's like it's interesting to see those kind of player behaviors like it's just the the way that's the way to play Tarkov. You have the engagement, but then if you pull away, then the nade goes over. Then you heal your thorax. Yeah. Then yeah. you try to, you know. Yeah. It was um, it was kind of fun to see, but um, yeah. So been playing a bunch of uh, bunch of interchange, um, which kind of leads into the first bit. I still need to kill Killer, and I haven't been like searching for him because I've been doing other stuff, and I don't care about capping this wipe, so it's not really that big of a deal. But while I'm there, I'm thinking may as well. And I saw an interesting headline on. Tiggs' Twitter saying, going live, and there's a you know, new method for farming killer. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. So I went to check out his stream, and he was talking about this new killer glitch, which basically allows you to tell whether he's in the raid or not, mm-hmm. which I was like, oh, this is actually really, it's really useful, even if you're not hunting for him specifically. So the way it works is <clears throat> you spawn in an interchange. Interchange has a 40-minute timer at the moment. And apparently this works on other maps. I don't know the details for the, for the other ones. Um, but apparently the hearsay is that it works for others as well. But on interchange specifically, you spawn in, 40-minute timer, you wait until the t- clock gets to 38 minutes, and you make sure you're paying attention. And what happens then is the regular, the regular sort of scav spawns on the map happen at that time, two minutes into the raid at 38 minutes. Yeah. When they do, you get the packet loss symbol in the corner because the server's suddenly spawning all these entities. Right. And there's, um, I don't know, I guess RTT goes up or something. There's some kind of, you know, server extra workload that means it's mm-hmm. the desync the desync icon appears but when killer is on the map he prevents scavs from spawning until a bit later or something along those lines he either prevents mm-hmm. certain scavs from spawning or there's not as many or, or something something happens and it means that the server doesn't get into a state where the desync icon appears so you basically wait until 38 minutes if the desync icon appears in the corner or the packet loss it's, it's, it's desync isn't it it's the desync one the one with the three yep. little lines then that means if it does appear, it means that killer is not there and you can just reset. If you don't get the desync icon, it means that killer is there because he's prevented scavs from spawning. So it's actually really intriguing. So like if you don't get it, you know to be careful. Whereas if it does happen, then you know you can just like wander around like normal and not worry about getting shot by him. It matters more for farming killer specifically than anything else. I mean, I kept I kept forgetting to look and stuff because uh, you know it was just like it wasn't really top of head. I was thinking mm-hmm. of other things, but. It's sure, certainly interesting, especially for people who want to do the 100 killer kills. I yeah. know there's not many of them, but that seriously helps because it's, it's the equivalent of having, you know, ESP or whatever, like looking through the walls and then saying that he's not here and then we're going to leave. 
kind of the equivalent to that, but everybody gets access to it. So I'm sure it'll be patched out at some point, but tons of people are talking about it. Tiggs was talking about it. I think he got, he learned it from Hyper Rat. So like tons of people are talking about it. So I really don't care to, you know, to mention it here. It's fine. I'm, I'm not bothered about talking about it at all. And I'm sure, I'm sure it'll go away. So if you want to kill Killer, probably the best way. Yeah, that's interesting because I, I, I have seen um, some stuff related to how they handle spawning, at least on the Tarkov SP side. And mm. it's essentially in like waves and there's like windows of time, like two minutes to five minutes after the raid starts, so it'll spawn a wave. And it, I think there's some other parameters, like it counts how many AI is on the map. And if it's low, then it'll be like, okay, let's spawn another wave and things like this. But yeah, it's kind of interesting how, uh, I wonder, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know much about the bosses and, you know, how they behave with like, uh, um, you know, not letting scavs spawn or if there's too many scavs, they won't spawn, things like this. But, uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, use it while you can, I suppose, if you <laughs> an interchange main or grinding the hundred kilo kills, surely not me. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can't even consider thinking about it. It's like, I've only seen him. Mm, once i mean I, I played quite a bit of interchange the other day i mean i'm up to probably i can't remember how many kills i'm on to 13 or something 14 kills for long lines so i played like a decent amount of interchange i haven't seen him at all i've seen him once dead actually in the yeah. recent batch and i think i've seen him once his wife other than that alive where he, where he killed me um but yeah i don't know it's just like unless you're really trying to move a lot move all yeah, through the map gotta... run to every location it's yeah. just so hard to run into him yeah and stuff um the other stuff, I guess, like it's not really a big topic or anything, but mm-hmm. people have been talking about Hit Reg. I saw the latest one was Pestilis post about Hit Reg, which he actually has like a bunch of things because he's just come back from his like mega trip around uh, or part of it anyway. I don't know if he's going back to do something else. I'm not sure. But anyway, he's, he's come back on to play some Tarkov and he's posted a bunch of different clips of him shooting scavs in the head, shooting PMCs in the head and people taking two, three shots to, to kill them. And even in some of the clips, you can see there's the one of the scab ones, which is in particular very busted. And the Yushanka's got like literally two holes in it. And yeah, they're, they're not dying. And so there's, I find, I find it really, I find that really odd, honestly, because mm-hmm. from everything that we know about Tarkov's like hit reg and that kind of stuff, usually, as, as far as I understood it, maybe unless they've changed something, the hit reg actually happened on your side. And then it, speaks to the server and the server then verifies whether that shot is legit or not you know for better or worse i thought always thought that was the system <clears throat> because you get the you know you, you hit and kill somebody and when when things are quite laggy there is a, a delay before they fall over which is the server then telling you yes you did actually kill them but yeah as far as i understood it it had to be done on your side because there's there was no it just wouldn't make sense to do it the other way right because with desync, like the, their position versus your position, what you see on your screen versus the server's position, all kind of different. So it, it kind of has to be done on, on your screen. But it's weird to see this happening. I mean, maybe the servers are disregarding the information or something. Maybe it's some other protection they've been putting in for, for hackers. Or I, I'm, I'm not really sure. I really don't know. But it looks quite bad. And I've, I have had a couple of incidents where I thought mm-hmm. something was happening like that. But I've always just chalked it down to like, I hit them in the shoulder or I missed or you know, my aim was bad or whatever. And there was one... Actually, I was just reviewing some clips. There was one I was like, man, I'm sure I hit this guy in the head. 
And I watched the clip and I was like, I definitely hit this guy in the head. And then I went like literally frame by frame. And it's like an M61 comes in, hits a TC2002. Boink! There's like two frames of flash as it ricochets off. I was like, okay, so it was just a bounce. Fair enough. Um, But yeah, there are some legitimate situations where something is busted. I don't know what. I don't know how long this has been going on for. I'm not sure. But more people are complaining about it now, especially with scavs, I think, because you get headshots on them more often. They move in more right. of a consistent way. Yes, and it's, yes. more, it's just it's more blatant when it happens. There. There's a short on <laughs> Airwing's channel, which I edited, and it's uh, he sh- um, it's him shooting a scav with a AP20 slug in the head, and like he's far enough away where Hydrovabora is like not an issue. And you can clearly see the red dots on his head. Mm. Um, and like it, I played it in slow-mo and everything for the viewers, and you just clearly see him shooting the head, and you can even see the impact in the head. And it's kind of like a Ushanka. Yeah. And uh, I feel like this has been a... You know, it's all anecdotal, but ever since they introduced the, um, the little desync patch, where mm-hmm. you get the... Uh, the, the um, Oh, that icon, yeah, yeah, uh, you know, packet loss and and things like I'm I'm kind of convinced that they've changed something on the back ends where it is a bit more server authoritative. I mean, I really I I can't say for sure because that would that would kind of explain. I mean, it's it's uh it's a kind of a feels bad thing, uh, where you you know you get invalids like if you know you shot the guy and it didn't do anything to him because. In reality, in the on the server, you know, he was here and you were there, you know, blah blah blah. But like I said, yeah. it's all anecdotal. It's really hard to say. I mean, there's you know, there is scavs that have more HP, but I I've definitely seen my fair share of clips and had even some experiences where it's like, what that scav's not dead? You know, it's just like doesn't add up, but without yeah, exactly. really getting a lot of insight from someone on the inside, it's kind of hard to make heads or tails of anything it, it is kind of tough yeah i mean the, the fact that it was um in my chat rookie's talking about how there's some scouts have 40 hp i mean yeah pe- people who don't realize that can get can get kind of uh stumbled by that i suppose because different scouts have different hp pools i know not everybody's aware of that and some scouts have more hp than a regular pmc and mm-hmm. i mean we've talked before that i don't really agree necessarily with those methodologies just because they mess with people's I don't know, understanding of like time to kill and that kind of stuff. It's just weird. But either which way, even Big Bullet seems to be doing it. It's very strange. Did you say that he was wearing a Yushanka in the Airwing yeah. clip? Yeah. Because the guy's wearing a Yushanka in Pestily's clip as well. And I have a feeling that there's a clip that I've got of a guy wearing a Yushanka now. <laughs> I mean, d- it are we... could. <laughs> I we, mean, need more data. we need more data. Surely we're not talking about the magical <laughs> scav Yushanka. Well, it's because it's interesting. It does technically have durability, the Yushankas. It, it they're does. 10 out of 10. <laughs> I don't think it, it has a, indeed. I don't think it has an actual armor class, but I'm pretty sure you can get Yushankas. Like, you can go on a flea, buy one that's like 6 out of 10, which is, I mean, hmm. I, I can't say for certain on that from, you know, I'm pulling from my it memory here. If it have an armor class, then how does it have durability damage? Right, it's yeah? so bizarre. Like, I don't know, dude. There might be, there might be something there. With There's the a shockers. hidden bastion plate underneath. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Plastic's forehead. Uh, that's great. I did, this, 
I'm like, I'm, I'm sort of a, only half joking. I know, right? I know. Because I'm like, you know, weird things that they've got in the game that take durability damage but have no armor class and stuff. It's like, these, those things could be the fringe cases where something gets updated and it just like doesn't work with the new like formula or whatever it is that they put in. Like, who knows? And when you start to see a pattern like that, you start to think, hmm, I, I wonder. And it could just be on scavs. could just be on scavs. Like, you shall on scavs. It's like the fragmentation thing. Frustrating, right? It's just like, you can still fragment on a yeah. scav. You can't on a PMC. So it's really hard to test. You know, that kind of stuff is, is difficult. Yeah. There's, I mean, I'm convinced there's something going on, whether it's networking or some type of bug and revolve, you know, revolves around AI or, you know, the Yushanka itself. I don't know, but, uh, Can't yeah. Goated. Hmm. The goated headgear. Yeah. The new meta Yushanka level one PMC indestructible. I mean, it's just, I just don't. Hmm. I said, how can it have a durability and how would that even get calculated otherwise? Yeah, I don't know. I'm now like, I'm okay, I'm like, I'm going down a, a, a rabbit yeah, hole in my like own mind now. Like, like, so. brain, like I just think of all the things, <laughs> I'm just like, okay, well, what if, well, how if it, what if it's done like this? And <laughs> there, there, if, 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 you know, if it's really a burning question in people's minds, uh, there needs to be some testing done. You know, we got to get some, some baselines, rule out a few things. You know, is it even possible to get a, uh, you know, a Yushanka below 10 out of 10 durability? I think it is from my memory, but I could be wrong, you know? Is it even possible to replicate that in a raid against a pmc or a scab or something you know there's a lot of like yeah but i i thought it was interesting that you know pestily comes back he's like hey i'm gonna boot up some tarkov my favorite game <laughs> and uh he he you know talks about this hit reg issue and he and he drops in the line please fix your game at Battle State Games, which I was, I was kind of surprised coming from Pess, you know? Um, yeah, I think maybe he, because if he's, he's taken some time off, he's kind of like distanced himself a little bit. It doesn't feel quite so ingrained. I mean, he was very skating, right? He said, like, he, he literally said, like, first proper day back playing Escape from Tarkov, had five times I headshot someone with a bolty and it not register. I'll put a double headshot on a scav, click below so you can see for yourself. My favorite game of all time is rubbish right now. Please fix your game. <laughs> at yeah. Battle State Games. With a heart. With a little with the, with the, with with the loving heart, the, you know, the loving heart. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's quite that's quite big coming from best. But I mean, we know that they're working on stuff, so kind yeah. of whatever right now. I mean, everyone knows it's scuffed. Nikita knows it's scuffed. That's what they're they're trying to do with this next. Well, some of these next technical patches. So we'll see. Yeah. I'm but, I'm really excited for the Unity upgrade and you know these this supposed reworking that code whatever that means whatever that looks like or you know rewriting the code i just i you know I'm, I'm i'm here for it so i'm i'm pretty hyped about it could be a you know it probably will have some bugs <laughs> you mm-hmm. know there will be some growing pains but uh i think they'll get it there's got to be some improvement right because you get arena the, the logic is arena's coming out you know they basically are finally coming to realization hey you know we should rewrite some things if we're going to rewrite it for this we might as well rewrite it for the other products, Escape from Tarkov, because they're basically the same games. I mean, I can't imagine it's a it's the same engine, this, that, and the other. Like, it's got to be the same foundation. So, um, yeah, I think there's a lot of good to come in the near future. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, what was I just gonna? I was just gonna say something then about. Oh God, what was it? What was I gonna talk about? Netcode, Unity. 
Mm, we were talking about the youth. Estelle, Billy. Please fix your game. Oh, yes, the nice guy. So, nice guy's latest video, he's been a bit quiet because there's not been that many actual updates, but he was talking about this in particular about these updates that are coming. And I kind of agree in his sentiment. He's basically preparing people saying, after these updates come through, if they like you know, rewrite core parts of the game, the game could be a shambles yeah. for, for a while before yeah. it gets better. So we're going to have to we're gonna have to just hold, it's gonna be a hold the line yeah. Yeah, and figure it out and try to report the bugs and see what happens because yeah. it's almost certainly going to be a mess when it yeah. first comes through, upgrading Unity and changing the, the underlying engine stuff. Yeah, it's very unlikely that it's going to go seamlessly. Right. So we just have to keep that in mind. So, so, so <laughs> what shall we start with? Do you want to start on with your bit? Because we're going to talk about some mechanics, some shooting mechanics in general. Do you want to talk about your bit? Or want to talk about my bit first? I, I don't mind. Uh, yeah, you, yeah. Send us, send us off. What you got? Okay. So, follow up on the alien tech discussion. Obviously, I was quite upset about that. Um, yeah. I made a video. About I have a surprise. I made it. a video, but I was also very happy you did as well mm, because. I felt that it was valid and that I could right. basically do as close to a rant video as I'm ever going to get. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I mean, people, people liked it, right? It's, um, it's good to be honest uh, with this stuff. And mm. it's a, in, within, particularly within my area of, of speciality and also because I feel responsible for it too. And it's right. kind of was like felt kind of personal. Um, but anyway, that aside, we talked about that a lot last time. But what it did spark was quite a few different conversations about about balancing because I didn't really talk about what they should do that much. It was more yeah. about just making sure that we have a unified approach and that kind of thing because I touched on lots of different bits and pieces. And there were, there were other things. I could have added some extra stuff to the video. I was like afterwards because I was talking to people in chat and I was like, yeah, you know, I'm talking about stocks and this. And people were like, yeah, what about this thing? What about this thing? And I was like, yeah, I could actually add more to the video. But I was like, look. I don't care. I'm just going to keep it the length it is. Like I've, I've already kind of like, it's, it's like tied off neatly in my mind. I like, don't really want to spend any more time on it. Um, <clears throat> so I'm just going to release it as is. I think it's going to get the point across. And uh, it's under eight minutes, like whatever. It's, you know, we'll just, just send it. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. Um, but yeah, some people's conversations afterwards, I think were actually quite valuable. There was um, a big discussion in, um, on one of the comments about Ergo in particular, because the, the obvious takeaway from it is that suppressors probably shouldn't be better than loud builds at least not around the same pricing points on recoil well by better because, what do you mean oh, oh, on, on recoil okay yeah so because... the best slot builds for recoil should probably be loud builds because you within the realms of game balance you kind of want to you know you can have this but you can't have this you can have this but you can't have this it's like the stuff that we've talked about before so if you can go you can be quiet and also have all the ergo that you want for things like the rd and the m4 whatever and also have the best best recoil in the game it's like well it's kind of all it's all one way you know like why use the other stuff like no one uses the muzzles it's like when i was looking through the the loud muzzle brakes and i was just like you know the hk blitz or whatever i was like i've never seen this muzzling game i've never seen anybody use it except for maybe like i wouldn't even pick it up to sell to mechanic let's put it that way like i had to go dig around and i was just like yeah the hk the well-known hk blitz it's like i barely even know this part and i look yeah. at parts more than probably anybody else um at least alongside all the other people who are interested in gun builds so it shows that something's fundamentally wrong with that kind of balance. There's loads of those um, loud Tons. muscle breaks, and no one uses them because it's just mm -hmm. double bad. It's like there's worse for recall and it's worse for tactics and suppression or whatever. And the and the ergo benefit is just not really there. So that's like that's an obvious thing, right? That loud 
muzzle brakes probably should be better for recoil than suppressors in general, or at least at the top end. Like it, it should be, you know, you can have two bands for them. So some suppressors can be better than the worst brakes. You know what I mean? But like, if you're comparing like for like, you know, best in slot versus best in slot, there should be, there should be, it should be this and that between the two. It can't just be all on one side of the scale. Otherwise everyone's just going to use one thing and it's terrible for build diversity and it makes for less interesting gameplay. What is more interesting Oh, and also before I say that, also the, obviously the finding raid stuff also should clearly be better than the stuff you can buy off the trader, right? You would you would think um, that helps people in multiple ways because it means that the chads can't just buy the best and best stuff either, and it helps people who are finding stuff and scavenging more so because they're right. actually able to find the, the these best items. So it makes them just balances out a bit. Yeah, it's like it's they're highly highly valuable. Because they're only in raid, and the logic would be, well, if it's going to be exclusively only raid, they should have value um, outside of only being in raid. If that makes sense, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, why yeah, would like you that. have an item that's only found in raid that's worse than the stuff you could buy twenty four seven on the traders? You know what I mean? It, exactly. it doesn't really make sense. Yeah, yeah, because you're buying those items from the trader at the trader price. Those items right. that you find in raid, you find and have to sell at like you know lower down whatever the right. trader's resale is. Or and because players aren't going to buy it because they can buy it from exactly so like so it, it ensures that the finding raid items strictly sit underneath the ones on the trader unless they're better. That's yeah. just the way that it's going to be because yeah. of like market pricing and you know, free market and economics and supply and demand and whatever. But so the one interesting thing that people were noting and there was uh, a couple of people talking about this and I thought it was kind of cool because we've talked before about the value of ergo or the apparent lack of value of Ergo. Mm-hmm. And we also talked to numbers of Tarkov about that too, and about how you know he had some interesting ideas about making Ergo better. And somebody else had a cool idea, which I thought was fun, which would be tying the ADS move speed to ergonomics. Because right now... That's interesting. When you ADS, I think you pretty much just half speed, no matter what. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Yeah, and maybe it's different for different types of weapons. I can't remember whether SMGs are better or not. But this would be intrinsically tying that ergo to your ADS move speed. So that if you had a 99 ergo at M4 or whatever, maybe you'd be able to move, or you'd be able to move a lot quicker than if you're using a <laughs> 15 recoil, you know, oh man, like a foul or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, which would be that'd be <laughs> kind of that'd be kind of interesting. I thought it would kind of interesting. I'm just imagining, you know, the the chat on labs with the 99 ergo M4. The ADS says he loses zero movement speed. He just like swings around the corner, just beaming people. <laughs> I mean, this is you know an extreme, but it, yeah, it's funny. So it's... these things would need to be balanced, right? Yeah. But, um, but it's it's cause... it's interesting. I like I like the idea. Yeah, yeah, because some people were talking about inertia. Some people were talking about right. turn speed. I was just like, let me just be sick <laughs> in the comments. So like, no, I've been working my hardest to get rid of turn speed. Don't just like reintroduce it for long guns and stuff. That's gonna make the game feel even worse. No, don't do that. So there's like lots of different conversations about that, but that was probably the one that I liked the most was that because it would make you feel like your gun was ergonomic. You can move with it more easily. Maybe there's less sway when you're when you're aimed down mm-hmm. sights and you're moving as well. You know that kind of stuff um, because <clears throat> you're taking a disadvantage on recoil to get to those extreme levels of ergonomics. Mm-hmm. So you're gonna have to either control your gun more, or whatever. It's then it's like then it's a playstyle thing again. It's do you want to move quicker with right. a, or, or even use lower caliber like something like the MP5 SD that has really good ergo. It would then add something for these lower, um, you know, the, the small caliber arms where you're taking a disadvantage on pen and effective effective 
yeah. um, shooting and stuff, right? It's like versus taking a, an intermediate rifle or something really heavy that uses the really high calibers. Um, and it might go some way to help some of the issues. I mean, uh, I, I can also think of fringe cases where it wouldn't make sense. Again, the RD is just like, it's super high ergo, kind of no matter what you do to it, just because sure. of where the gun's built. And it uses like large caliber web, like bullets and stuff. But, you know, if you look at the, the M1A or whatever, then it would work in that particular case. So there's still some balance needed there. But I think yeah. it's an interesting mechanic because it gives you yet another lever rather than ergo just being like, how quiet is it and how fast does it go? Where a lot of people are not even in those CQP situations, aren't even using it for that. They're just point shooting anyway. So, yeah, and and there's so much to say there. Like you you said, you know, the ergo change it to like have this move speed modifier. You know, make it feel better, or you know, make make your gun feel like it's ergonomic. And and I mm-hmm. think that's the key word there is um feeling like it like when i reduce recoil like i can directly feel the effects of my gun is less recoil than the stock version whereas like when i when i increase ergo like i can feel it but only like a percentage of time when i'm using the ads button Mm. you know like it does feel snappy you know a 99 or even 100 ergo tx15 you know it does feel snappy but uh you're obviously you're losing the recoil and the conundrum with the suppressors and loud uh, muzzle brakes that you made in the, in the beginning is like you, you essentially, I don't want to misrepresent what you said, but you essentially said something along the lines of that. I'm going to paraphrase that suppressors are better because you basically get the best of both worlds. You get, you know, ergo and uh, you, you could get as much recoil reduction as you would have a loud uh, but you're suppressed, right? And you know, obviously, you're losing ergo in that situation. Yeah. But it's it's such a it doesn't really the value of ergo is like super diminished because you only get to see the effects when you ads, right? You know, we're in a very like high caliber, hip fire, low recoil meta. I would say in in Tarkov, you really don't see like any low caliber stuff. SMGs. I mean, you you do you do depending on the situation, but I'd feel like the general, you know, blanket is like AK-101 mm. or, you know, M4 or a, uh, a RD or whatever, you know, just like these assault rifles, high caliber stuff. And, um, yeah, I, I, I think that's the problem with, like, going ergo is like, sure, I can take my loud M4 and get really good recoil reduction and really good ergo. And, you know, the argument is like, oh, yeah, you want high ergo for shooting at long distance but like in that case i want to be suppressed because at which point it kind of defeats the purpose of me having been heard from a long distance you know what i mean it's like i you almost want a suppressor exclusively for shooting at long distance but then you lose ergo but you gain recoil reduction but i'm shooting at long like it's there's like a weird conundrum where ultimately what ends up happening is you just use a suppressor for recoil reduction and you get the bonus that hey you're suppressed they can't hear you as well it's like exactly so, yeah, and and I think whatever, you, you know, you said they could change the ergo to include movement speed bonuses, and you said there would be some issues like the RD or whatever, and you got to, you know, we got to keep in mind that any, we're basically suggesting a rework of the system, so, like, the old system was built on, like, these principles, and it was built up from that, so you can't just, like, copy-paste, you know, a new system on top of the old, like, you'd have to rework the foundations to get everything seamless but uh 
That's very true. That's like a very important point, actually, because people always go down that argument. You're just like, yeah. well, why don't we change this with the game? And they're like, well, no, but that won't work because think of this and think of that and think of the other. And it's just like, right. yes, obviously you have to rework the other things, right? You have to change the maybe the base stats of the ergos on the different guns or you have to do whatever it is that you need to do. You can't just, yeah, as you say, paste the new thing in and be like, ta-da, it's all fixed, right? Like <laughs> right, it's, yeah. it's a new framework and the, the numbers need to change now. That's very important, I think. Yeah, and, and this is like the... The I don't know what the like in some ways the modding system is, um, kind of simple and almost elegant in a way. Um, it is complex and that there's a lot of parts and different locations, but like once you get down to the numbers, mm. it's very simple. There's like a few stats that do anything. There's like recoil, ergo. There's like some like miscellaneous flat stats. I would say like loudness, whatever that does. Uh, weight, you know, again, whatever that does, like, you don't really factor these in all too much. It's mainly ergo and recoil, and it's very straightforward as far as, like, you know, it's 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 yeah. somewhat simple. I mean, the percentages and flat numbers can get a little confusing at the end of the day, but, yeah, I just, I, I just think that they would, they need to, like, I'm not sure what the original idea was because there's clearly a trend where we see you choose between ergo or in recoil like you make trade-offs um there's like the psr gen 3 stock that's like the recoil reduction stock and then there's the what's what's the one on the stm that stock oh the uh oh god what's it called oh the gl what is it gl core gl core yeah that's it that one's like the ergo stock right and uh, you know, in a in a, I think again, if it was simple and like everything was balanced correctly, I think that system actually works really well because it is very simplistic in nature. But mm. I think they need to do something if they want to like keep this framework of like choosing between ergo, balancing between ergo and recoil. I think they need to like buff ergo in some way, whether it's movement or whatever, because it does feel kind of weak i mean we talked about this before many times yeah. i know but the other the other part is like weight is kind of a weird thing with like your gun like i'm not sure exactly what it does like we know it reduces ergo um or, or I, I think it reduces ergo. i know it definitely reduces your arm well, that, yeah because the thing about weight is that it's kind of intrinsically tied to the parts ergo too so it's like often a part with high ergo will have a low weight so these things like they're they're sort of there's some Sometimes. interlinked. There's like a correlation there, right? If you plotted it all out on a chart, yeah. there'd be a correlation between those two things. So they're kind of hard to detach from each other. But I mean, in the broadest thing about weight, as far as I can tell, is that it changes your arm stamina amount. So it means you can hold the gun up for longer. There is that weird effect where once it gets over a certain threshold, and I'm not sure exactly where it is, it's like five and a half or six or something, mm -hmm. six kilos. When you ADS, you start to get the overswing. And that's, yeah. there's, a, there's an interplay between the weight of the gun and the ergo of the gun, which causes that to happen. Um, so even with relatively decent ergo on something like the M1A, you can get that if you're using a 50-round drum with all the stuff and the SAS chassis, and it's, you know, freaking monster of a weapon. And you can still get that, it like sways a bit extra, it like overshoots with yeah, your ADS, yeah. even if your ergo is like kind of all right. Um, and that goes away once you get under about five and a half kilos. Um, so it's like, it's these weird, subtle effects. Like, you're right. It's like, ergo is strange. Like, ergo... The thing about ergo for me is that ergo matters when it's naught <laughs> and it stops mattering so much once you get above about sort of 40 or so. Like it, it depends on the gun. 
but it's, yeah. it, it, it's one of those things that once you can achieve an, a reasonable level of ergo, after mm-hmm. that, it doesn't matter anymore. That seems to be the thing. So ergo ends up being like a dump stat half the time. It's how I build my guns. Right? Yeah, yeah. If you can't get any more points into recoil, you start dumping stats into ergo at that point. Exactly. Or you make like minor, minor sacrifices on the recoil side. Right. And, and get, you know, you, you get chase the RK2 over. Yeah, you chase yeah. the RK2 over to like a, I, I don't know what, <laughs> like an SE5, which is the one I tend to use these days, yeah. I think. So you end up with 2% less recoil reduction, but your ergo swing is like 18 or something. Yeah, like it's, it's, it's humongous. Yeah. And it's like, okay, that's worth it. I go from a 23 Meta Seika M4 to 26, but my ergo goes from, you know, 15 up to like, I don't know, 30, 30 something. You know, it's just like, it's a huge deal. Yeah, which, yeah, uh, yeah, because er- Ergo is a flat stat and recoil is a percentage. Like you're trading, you're doing a 2% tray. I mean, I guess it technically ultimately is flat, but then it depends on the base of the gun. Depends recoil. On the weapon too. Yeah, yeah, it's just like, it's such a. It's simple and complex in time, but. Um, yeah. I think that'd be kind of neat, though. Yeah, I I don't know. I I'm, I'm kind of <laughs> uh I'm kind of like did you did you have anything else to say about cuz I know we started the Allen Tech and we kind of moved into these different no, parts. No, it was mainly about this the moving section. That was really it. So, you know, I know you had some stuff to talk about recall so we can transition into that. That's that's completely fine. But yeah, Ergo, I just the closing thought is that Ergo needs a bit of laugh. It does in some way. In some way, it yeah. either needs to improve the point spread, which is, I think, what numbers were saying, or it does its extra move speed when you're when you're ADS or whatever. Something it needs something. It needs some love for it. Otherwise, it's just gonna ever, ever carry on being the dump stat on most guns. That was the other thing I was gonna say is you were talking about weight, and I do think that there's gotta be some type of stat related to weight of the gun and your like weapon sway. Like I, I'm. I want to say there's definitely a correlation there, but I'm not positive. I'd have to like dig through some stuff, but because uh, I've, I like in other words, I think if you have a very light gun and you turn rapidly, like not ADS, but you're just turning or ADS doesn't really matter. Like it's a lot more centered versus a heavy gun is a lot like it's, it's slower, you know, like it, it drags behind when you're turning. I can't say for certain, but I, I would imagine there's probably like a modifier a multiplier based off weight that affects that Are yeah it kind of feels like it i'm not sure whether that's gun specific and so some guns just end up being heavier too so we think mm-hmm. that it's that that's the case because i think some guns have more sway than others i'm i'm actually not sure either i don't know 100 percent about that whether that's whether that's the case i don't know we need to need to look at it but yeah some guns yeah. certainly have more sway the svd has quite a lot of sway you have to really have to hold breath on that boy otherwise it's <laughs> all over the place especially using longer range scopes <laughs> Yeah, so I've uh, I started up the document for the recall video. Is the is the current nice. headline on it, and um, it's kind of just typing, you know, just brainstorming, typing it out, and then I kind of got to the point because I've kind of been thinking, like, okay, how am I going to approach this? What's you know sensible? Like, I don't want to overdo it, and you know, run into a situation where oh, it's too late, you know, and and mm. yeah, but at the same time, it's like. Uh, you know, it's like, oh, but I want to like, uh, you know, I want to do a due diligence. And then it's like, oh, marketing, like, should I just do a more broader video? You know, it's just, there's a lot of stuff <laughs> to consider. But nonetheless, I kind of have a point where I was like, well, we kind of need to go through like a bit of the history of recoil and games. And so I started looking through 
some of the more notable ones. I mean, I don't want to go back to like vector graphics on 1970s, you know, but (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to go that far, but exclusively like first person shooters. So obviously the first one was like Doom. And, and as far as I could tell, I would have to play it to confirm, but there really is no recoil. And obviously classic Doom. I mean, it's, there is no vertical like movement. It's all horizontal, like as far as like turning your mouse, and it's you know it's like two D space, and you just shoot. Like if the guy is in front of you, but he's up high, but you're aiming straight, like down, like it's like automatic correction for the yeah. It just automatically on original zoom, right? knows to go up there, right? But there is no real recoil. The only recoil we see is in like the gun animations. You see the the shotgun kick up when he pumps it, you know, and. Same with the other guns. There's animation, but there's no re-requel. And, you know, fast forward a bit. What was the the other? Like, Rainbow Six. Uh, not Siege, but Rainbow Six. It might just be Rainbow Six. One in 1996, 97. Mm-hmm. Some of the earlier ones. It, it There is no... You know, it's like the... tact. It was like the first... One of the earlier f- tactical first-person shooters. And there is no, like rendering of your gun it's just like you are a camera floating around but you have like a crosshair oh, and the crosshair is really interesting because it has this idea like when you're moving it's inaccurate so you want to like stand still shoot and then control the the spread of the crosshair so we kind of get like a uh, a loss in like visual feeling the recoil of the gun where you have that doom shotgun kicking where that's removed but now we have a, a much more like uh interactive gameplay Philly of the recoil where you can visually see the your recoil getting worse, you know, your invisible gun getting less accurate. So I thought that was interesting. And then, you know, fast forward again to Halo, uh Combat Evolved. Mm. There isn't really that I could tell again I have to like play to confirm, but there isn't really uh any recoil per se. I mean you do have some like screen shaking, especially on the the AR, the 60 round AR of the, the cool little compass built into it. Oh man, such nostalgia coming through right now. But uh, there's they're screen shaking, but there isn't really any like physical movement of your center of your screen. It's all like a, you get a crosshair and the bullets kind of just like spewed out randomly within a cone of that crosshair. But it's a very oh, interesting. It, it works though, because the game, you have all these different, I mean, it's such a classic. Have you played Halo, the original Halo? Please say yes. I played a little bit, not okay. a lot though, because I, hey, I didn't have works. an Xbox. So okay, okay. Well, the the basic philosophy was you get two two guns that you can carry at one time, and mm-hmm. each gun kind of has like its own niche case. There's a shotgun, obviously up close. The sniper rifle, obviously long range. The rocket launcher, you know, shoot rocket, they go boom. The AR, the inaccurate AR. The highly accurate pistol that's completely broken in Halo 1, but whatever, we won't talk about that. The the Covenant weapons, the energy rifles, you know, they're all kind of like do different things and they're meant to use them for different use cases, right? And this kind of plays into like Doom a bit slash uh, uh, Quake, another boomer shooter where Quake mm-hmm. had like, again, you see the recoil, but all the guns, it's it's like you're you're not really feeling it or interacting with it. You have like a, you know, a, a Gatling gun of, of some sort or like a machine gun and there is any recoil, so to speak, but it's just like you're just sending bullets down towards the target. Same kind of principle, different guns are 
best used for different use cases. Uh, and that's kind of how you interact with it, right? But it's not until we get to, I want to say, uh, Half-Life, but definitely Counter-Strike, that we get the first, like, as far well-popularized visual recoil where you you sort of like interact it's almost like a game within a game right it's very metagamey um i guess maybe rainbow six was also like that but it's it's expanded right it's it's you get the classic you shoot the gun there's a pattern and you you know you gotta control it and whatnot i mean i think half-life doesn't really have that it has a little bit of like the mp like the submachine gun in the original Half-Life, there's like a some type of screen shake, but I think it's um I think it's actually directed based off your center of your screen. Like it's not just purely visual. So like your it almost looks like the the guns like your whole screen's bobbing up and down as you're shooting it. I can't remember how it works in Half-Life. I really can't because again because it's single player. I'm not you know not as not as I've never was never as worried about it. Or you're shooting yeah. bugged at like point blank. That's all I remember about Half-Life. <laughs> the overwhelming. Of either just getting face hugged or just like bugs on the beach in the sand buggy. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. You're thinking uh, Half Life Two. I think yeah. Half Life Two. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I never played the games. original. I never played the original. There's a, I think it's even now an official game, but there was a mod that took, I think it took Half Life Two and yeah, and then it just converted like deconverted it into Half Life One, both the Half Life Two engine and graphics and everything. And mm-hmm. it's things, cool. it's called Black Mesa. You should you should check it out. It's a lot of fun. So you get to like experience the OG Half Life in the modern era, but anyways, um, that's that's what I've been up to in that little small bubble. I've been having really, I want to see more. It seems like it wasn't until Counter Strike that really brought that sort of mechanic to the mm. forefront, and games have kind of expanded since then. And obviously, with Counter Strike, I mean, it's a, it's a very like there's a lot of complexity and depth and there's still some randomness to it like because even the the older games the boomer shooters it did i mean i'd have to play to confirm but it didn't like there was that much um i mean there's some randomness but some guns like the rocket launcher you know it's not very random it just shoots a rocket straight you know the the rail gun it shoots a beam straight but there's some guns like maybe the shotgun and the machine guns you know there's a little bit of a variation but that's kind of built into the design philosophy where it's certain guns are used for certain scenarios and there's no like real skill check where it's like counter-strike technically there is some guns like the the ak or the m4 you could use them long range and full auto with them it's not recommended because there is some variation on the the shots, right? There's like yeah. a cone. But with enough skill, you can you can pull off some pretty crazy stuff, which is interesting. Yeah, what's what's so interesting about what you said actually about the older shooters is that kind of the the design philosophy was just entirely different with these kind of things. You know, mm-hmm. it was you think about a quake and stuff. It's all about because you know, recoil was never really the focus back then for most of these games because. Mm-hmm. Move speed was so high, and depending on the game, like each one's different. But you know, you talk about Halo again; it's very similar. There's lots of lots of movement, and because of the setting, a lot of the time, or just because of the way the games are designed in an arcadey way, people actually had quite a lot of health, and so they it played out a little bit more like Apex Legends does now, 
and yeah it means you have to shoot people quite a lot of times and so recoil was less of a problem because the games were then more about like fps shooting skill right especially in the in in quake in particular yeah it's about mechanical skill in shooting in and of itself and it's the move speed is super super high on on that basis and so the, you can get enough skill i guess like skill gap and skill cap in that game mm. without needing recoil confusing the situation right there's enough going on and it's hard enough yeah. to be a pro already whereas when you move over to something like counter-strike you look at the movement it's like much more it's it's once we move into this realm of like realistic shooters where you move yeah. in a realistic way and you can't just like bounce off like launch pads and all sorts of crazy shenanigans you know it's like okay well now everybody dies really fast because everyone's just a guy maybe wearing body armor and we don't move very quickly so it's it's now so easy just to beam people because like norm moves mm-hmm, fast enough mm-hmm. to make it a cha- like enough of a challenge all right um and so okay well now we need to bring recoil in to add some more skill there okay fine we'll add a pattern based recoil for, for cs and like okay there's the next skill element that comes in to distinguish between players that seems to me at least just hearing what you're saying and reflecting on it myself is a plausible reason as to why that ended up becoming more in focus because it's like is it really realistic to just beam somebody with these guns i mean maybe in some cases but is it necessarily good for gameplay well i don't know we can probably bring both in right you feel like the gun's got recoil whereas it's also improving the the sort of the skill base of the game as well what i always found really i was i've never been very good at counter-strike like genuinely the games that i got on with much better was the call of duty series as i've said before i actually quite like cards like i haven't played a, a proper call of duty for a while but i was always way better at call of duty there's something about cs that i just because of the pattern the patterning thing and the fact that you just have to go and learn it and stuff like i'm just not spending the time doing it i guess but um it's not in, it's not intuitive i guess that's the thing like i felt like with cod i could just playing it better whereas with cs i had to like go and like actually do the like train the stuff um yeah yeah it's hard to get better at it without like looking at that looking at the pattern like trying it out trying the pattern whereas you could just play the game of cards and get better at cards which kind of improve it improved the experience for me right because i was never playing these fps's competitively i've played them all through my gaming life um but i was always playing rts competitively and fps i was just i would just play it so i felt like i could naturally get better at cod rather than having to actually like train it in in the cs world but um yeah the thing that especially early on that always used to throw me was how when you fire in cs the, the bullets after the first couple they start you know they, they go above the crosshair and the crosshair yeah doesn't actually go anywhere you have that you know that um targeting mark on on the reticle yeah. as you said before like it widens out to sort of give you some semblance of the fact right. that the recoil's increasing but you end up with the bullets they all go like above yeah. the crosshair and you just have to like know the pattern it's like it's, it's super weird. super weird yeah, yeah. it is definitely it's is. really weird <laughs> yeah um yeah it just never sat that well with me but it's yeah it's just a different thing it's just a different thing it depends on your preference and uh what so yeah i mean you're much in, more in touch with the rust community than me Do, are people happier now after the pattern oh, base recall has gone away or like what's the deal or is it is <laughs> I, it if you just completely split i don't know i mean i've heard a lot of people voice their opinions on it they don't like it you know they're making the game more casual like i think some of the i think the hardcore players don't like it as much i think some there's outliers that do I'm sure it's a mixed bag. Um, mm. I mean, the thing. Well, look, before we, before I talk about, let me jump back on a couple of things you said. Cool. I, one, I think it's a great observation you made. I think because CS was like, hey, this is a tactical shooter, and it really was like there was Delta Strike and 
you know, Rainbow Six. They were like also like tactical, but this like really changed the landscape of what tactical shooter means because you you're right, you do move very it's a lot slower, and then you have this weird like mini game you play. Like it's just it, it sort of expand upon what was already like I mean some of these like Goldeneye, like I haven't played Delta Force in a while, but I'm pretty sure it's pretty basic. Like you you turn, you shoot, and you know, very basic stuff no real recoil and when it comes to um like golden eye for example on the Nintendo 64 i was really surprised to see the recoil on some of these guns were like like there's an ak you pick up and there's basically no visual recoil like there's no camera recoil there's no gun recoil like it just shoots bullets and of course in in that game the the shooting mechanics are really weird i think you can by default you just sort of like your character just like James Bond just automatically targets the stuff in front of you. Like you don't have to really aim for say. Like you kind of just gotta like turn, but you can switch to like manual aim mode, which is it's just very weird. I mean, you know, 3D games back in those days were such a new territory. Um, there were no standards either, right? Yeah. So everyone was yeah. just doing random stuff. Like no one had come to some kind of consensus. It's like this is the way these games get designed, and this is how they get put together. Right now, you see all the same mechanics because it's been iterated on a billion times yeah and there will be more iterations to come and that's the even more exciting part but uh yeah it was really surprising to see no visual recoil at all which made it look so weird like watching the gameplay because you the gun wasn't moving just like obviously there's muzzle flash and bullets were flying out and you could see the impact so there was like some you know feeling that my gun's shooting off you know it was just it was just very uh very odd but um yeah i do think switch you've made an excellent point there going from the high movement stuff because there's tons of skill points or uh skill ceilings in quake just outside the movement like map knowledge you know this knowing timings of this i mean it's crazy watching some of these guys play to counter-strike i mean the 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 skill ceiling's probably high just as high but it's just in a different format so anyways that's about as far as i made it through uh the history. I want to keep exploring and see how deep the rabbit hole goes and what other um, stuff. Because you brought up COD, I'm interested to see what COD, Call of Duty, uh, the you know some of the more older ones. They were pretty uh, big games of time. So yeah. Anyways, jumping back to the Rust stuff. I don't know, dude. I mean, I haven't really played it that much. In my opinion, though, I think it's just better. I mean, I've seen people, you know, some Apex high, high level players within game, you know, gaming. Uh, quote unquote professionals, they had some takes that I, I kind of agreed with, like, you know, this is just better. Like you don't have to spend I think that's the it, it, there's this concept of um uh depth and um complexity. And I think I'll talk about it a bit more, but I think when you anytime you add complexity, you have depth but when you add complexity you add years on your life you know what i mean like what if, if there's there's a great line ben broad said in, in the gdc where he he was talking about our snap and he said something like you know if a game takes you a, a a lifetime to master then what's the point adding more complexity you you only get one lifetime you know what i mean so he he actually thinks there's a depth limit where if if you go too far past the depth limit uh it, you're just kind of breaking this relationship so the the idea is it's it's like a chart where on the left side you got um 
complexity and on the right uh, the bottom side you got uh depth and there's a you know diagonal line drawn drawn across so if you add more you know there's a relationship there right and chess for or um tic-tac-toe for example he said it was like really low in complexity really low in depth you know it's a very simple game and then he said monopoly is like really complex but actually has a, a low amount of depth you know there's yeah, like, I agree that, yeah, very yeah. Much so. it's, it's a glorified random number generator <laughs> yeah. and then you got go oh, maybe being unfair but no no dude yeah Mon- screw monopoly i used to play it so much as a kid thinking i you know it was a great game mm-hmm. i loved it but it's just adorable game. <laughs> anyways then you got uh go which i was not aware of but maybe you are it's it's essentially mm. it's like this grid on a board it's like tic-tac-toe on crack yeah well, no not tic-tac-toe so it's like checkers on crack that's, that's yeah, yeah, yeah 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 it's like it's a grid like imagine 25 you know horizontal vertical lines that make up a grid and you have these white you know you there's two team two players white pebble black pebble and you take turns placing pebbles down on like where the grids intersect and you then you can only place them uh side by side of your same color and, and the goal is to like uh make real estate by completing sectioning off sides of the grid if that makes any sense there, there's like there's a handful of rules and that's kind of it. it's it's like there's a lot of complexity to it like but as far as like sorry it's a lot of depth to it but as far as complexity goes like there's only like four or five rules maybe like it's pretty straightforward honestly um i watched yeah. a, i watched like a eight minute video on it and it was like oh okay like i did I, some stuff like there was like one or one rule that was like a uh like i need to like play a few rounds to really grasp everything about it but otherwise i was like man this you know this seems like a really advanced checkers as you said or, or something like along those lines um yeah it's like um the combination the, the number of combinations in that game just is like it, it's it's it just explosive you know it's like after making the first couple of moves the number of possible moves just goes i think it's even more exponential than chess in terms of mm. the amount because chess has like a lot of rules on like what pieces can go where and all this stuff whereas like in go you can put things wherever you want and so like the number of possible combinations of moves it's like extremely high and the reason why i got on to go in the first place i did yeah. actually play a little bit on my phone against the computer just like trying to figure it out for a while that's what I, just, I, wanted I, was, to do. I was just like nah this isn't gonna take way too long no way um but the reason why it sort of entered into my sphere of whatever is um i was following along it's actually open ai right it's the same guys who've been doing all the ai stuff recently have been like making waves with uh, the various things that they've been doing and I think it may have even stemmed. I can't remember whether that was the first one or the second one. Um, but they they created the AlphaGo, and that was why I first heard about it because they made that AlphaGo AI, um, which was beating. It started to beat people who were really quite good, and then eventually they ended up beating some of the, like the top ten people in the world. And like now it's at the stage. I mean, this was a while ago, right? It was then at the stage where it was winning convincingly against people who were the best human players on the planet. Um, which was interesting. It was like it was it was along the AI route, which is where yeah. I heard heard about it because I heard about sort of the tangential project that they did because they did that Dota one, right? The one v one Shadowfiend mid thing. It was like the same people yeah. and those those guys, the same guys now doing more AI stuff, right? It's like it's it's nuts. It's um, all, all under the open AI umbrella, which is very interesting. So yeah, that's where I heard about it because they were, I think because it's so simplistic, like computers are very good at that game, right? There's mm-hmm. not very many rules. Um, 
but anyway that's you know that's a completely different a different topic but yeah it's, that is is a good point about complexity versus um versus depth because yeah you can have a very simple game with very simple rules but the complexity but a lot is, of... is extremely or the depth is extremely high yeah and you yeah. have the, the opposite like you know <laughs> i'd argue like for me like dota 2 is sort of like the perfect diagonal line where it's like both mm. extremely high complexity and extremely high depth you know what i mean like it's, yeah. it literally takes a lifetime to master it feels like anyways <laughs> at least 10 <laughs> years before you can start being like okay you know evaluating your professional career at that point but <laughs> it's just like dude that's a lot of time and yeah, uh, it's just interesting because it gives you enough op- it gives you so many options that things never become boring I think that's the, the critical point. Yeah, right? yeah, that's so true, and that uh, that's what I love. Like, okay, so all this came about from watching a GDC gaming dev uh, community. I don't know. It's a, it's a talk where gaming devs, you know, they they host like a one hour segment. They talk about their development of their video game, and this one was uh, Marvel Snap. Uh, ben Brode. He's um he he used to work for Blizzard like ten years or so, and he helped. Make a few worked on a few projects. The most notable one is Hearthstone. It's a digital trading card game, etc. I never really played it, but um. Anyways, he talked about making Marvel Snap and blah blah blah. But he had some really cool talks, and that was one of one of the segments was about uh, this depth limit and and depth versus complexity and the relationship there. And um, that's they with Marvel Snap they made the game really. Like it's not all that com- complex, you know. It's it's pretty straightforward. Um, there's two, three locations you play cards to. You know, you draw like a set number of cards each turn. You get an, a draw. There's six turns. Uh, your goal is to get uh, win three locations. You can play four cards each location, and the cards have powers. You know. Some cards have abilities, and then they'll have like a, a mana cost, energy cost, and again, the goal is to have more points on two locations than your opponent. It's it's pretty straightforward, but you know the fun part comes in where how these cards interact with their abilities and stuff, and then the locations they made that where locations do different things. Like there's some locations where you literally can't play any cards there, so you have to figure out what cards can I play in other locations. To like either get them in that location that I can't play cards. Like there's a lot of, and it and as you said, it makes for this uh, much like Dota two. Like every game feels fresh because you have a lot of these um, random. There's like a mix of different types of random. You know, like in Dota two, there's some RNG when you're hitting creeps or whatever. Uh, <laughs> you know your 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 damage range, but mainly it's like this concept he talked about called input and output randomness and input randomness is i hope i'm going to get this right is when you there's like an, a, a random event happens like you draw a card that would be the input and what what's that card going to be you don't know it's random right and so now you have to make a decision based off that random inputs right hmm. and then random output is where you know you cast a spell and it does or you, know, you make a decision right so i'm going to cast a spell and then the output of that is like it does between two and four damage right 
And this immediately made me think of Tarka. I was like, oh my God, I literally shoot my gun and there's a chance my gun's going to jam. Like, I, <laughs> And his thing was like, you know, that output randomness. Again, I hope I'm getting that right, the output input, but output randomness, you do an action and then it outputs, like you make a strategic decision and then there's a random chance something happens, right? You, the players feel like they're less in control. You know, it's kind of like a, a bad feeling, but it can be very fun at the same time because, you know, you're sort of like playing the lotto, right? Hmm. And, um, yeah, so th- that comes into, like, with Marvel Snap, how these locations... They... Do you think that was good or bad? Like, in and of itself? Like, is, is it well, good it, or is it just a, it's just a thing? It's a, it's, it's a thing because, like, it, Marvel Snap has both, right? Like, as I said, you draw a card... It's like you're not guaranteed to get the card you want to make the perfect play. You know what I mean? You have to yeah. sort of like that's a random thing that happens and you have to like work with it. But there's, as I said, there's three locations and on turn one, the leftmost location is revealed and it'll say what it is and what it does. And then you can decide to play on that location on the left or you could play on the two unknown locations because on turn two, the second location, the middle location rule will reveal. And then on turn three, the most right location will reveal. But on turn one, I could still play on the unknown locations, mm, but they could be something really good or something really bad. Like I should have waited, but it kind of makes it like uh, I could I could play. There's one called Sanctum Sanctorum, which is like Doctor Strange's library or something. And it essentially no cards can be played here. So if you played, took the chance and gambled on that, you know you're like rewarded for it. But it, it's 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 an interesting thing, and I think having Having both is kind of, kind of nice. But uh, yeah, that may, immediately made me think of Tarkov. Like that's why it feels so bad when I get a weapon jam. It's like I made a strategic decision to like shoot my gun, you know, and then then like I gotta like pay the consequences for it with the random outputs. But yeah, that yeah. was interesting. Yeah, it kind of uh, links into what we've been talking about the other day, and I was doing a bit more brainstorming about it, which. Um... I wasn't originally going to bring it up, but because you, you talked about it there, it's like about how, you know, with, with rounds penetrating arms twice and dealing double damage, fragmentation and all these kind of mechanics, you know, it's uh, yeah. it's like, would the game be better off just without this stuff and make things more consistent? I don't know, because that's one thing that I like about, is it better or not? I feel like in some ways it is better. It depends on how much randomness there is already. I think you can get away with some randomness and not others. And sometimes it makes the game feel better and some worse. Because I know when I, I used to play quite a bit of Hearthstone, I haven't played for a while, but that was a great game for a while. And that, that one is oh, yeah. very, that's very anti-random in some ways. Like obviously mm. you have the cards drawing, but right, in terms right. of the, in terms of the actual effects on the board, like they do very specific amounts of damage. There's no, you know, ranges or anything like that. So oh, you okay. can, you can plan quite um, in particular. I'm probably, there's probably some cases where that's not true, but it's, it's very precise in that sense. And it's, I don't know, it's, it's quite, it's quite good in some ways. It's like, Within Tarkov, there are lots of different random things, but things like ignoring fragmentation for a second, but the actual damage that bullets do—that's very static, which is good for the most part. Yeah, I mean, there's there's drop off that kind of thing. There's some variation on pin. There's some pin variation, yeah, but the damage is pretty much always the right amount. Um, I think it I think it is the right amount always. I don't think there's any variation there, which is it's interesting that they decided not to put randomness on there. I mean, it's. It's one of those things. It's like, what mm. do you apply randomness to, and what what don't you? It's it's tricky. We have randomness when it comes to pen rolls for armor, and that's uh, you know influences whether you 
whether you will actually penetrate or not. And obviously it depends on the class and the, the rounds you use and yada yada, but you're trying to, as an attacker, you're trying to maximize your chance of going through. As a defender, you're trying to minimize their chance of, of going through. But at the end of the day, it comes down to a roll. And if you're using 7.62 BP, sometimes you're going to two-tap someone wearing a class five just because you get, you get the pen roll twice in a row. And sometimes it's going to take four shots or something because they get two deflections. And it's, I don't know whether that's necessarily a good or a bad thing. It kind of depends on your design philosophy, I suppose. But I think if you have too yeah. many of these things together, then it can start to compound, right? You've got like the pen rolls and then you've got just which, are, which limit hits and then does it go through? Does it hit another body part? And then fragmentation on top of that, it's like, does it just make things too random? Like you make the right decisions and get punished too often? Like it's, it's kind of, I don't know. There's something, to, there's almost something to be said, especially in a game like Tarkov where the penetration chance role, I think is probably fair enough. That probably is okay because it's difficult to deal with that situation in any other way. But fragmentation is probably less good, I think, in general. Uh, I mean, well, this is the thing. I think you said it best. It all depends on your design philosophy, mm. um, how you want to approach it. Because one thing he said, like he, you know, he's he kind of had the negative connotation of, uh, you know, you would you would do the action and then a random event would happen and you know that feels bad to players uh because you know rng right and and then and then he added like one thing on there and then it was like also they can tell themselves uh oh i lost because rng to to maintain their ego you know and then and the kind of because it's like you got to like once you know it's like I think having both is is totally fine because now you have a choice between do I make a strategic decision to gamble on the random thing or do I, you know, a random event happens, how do I strategically react to this? You know what I mean? Like Yeah, it kind of goes both ways. One, one feels better, like when it's not in your favor, one feels significantly worse. Like they, well, that's not true. They both feel bad, right? Like if I draw... You know, if I draw a card and it's like something I can't play, like that feels bad. You know what I mean? But now I have to like think, okay, well, how do I strategically, you know, what what else can I do? You know what I mean? Whereas like I play a card that does two to five damage, it rolls two, you know, I lose the game. I lost because of RNG, but maybe I should have done a different play, not banking on the two to five random. Like, you know what yeah, I mean? I don't know. For some reason, though, for some reason, the card pull, like mm -hmm. the input RNG or whatever it was that you were talking about. Mm -hmm. That feels better than the output RNG. I don't, I don't know why, but to yeah. me, it feels better. Yeah, and I, I think it's because you, your, your action, like life just happens. You know what I mean? It's like something just plopped into your lap. Like you can, you can deal with it. You know what I mean? It, versus mm -hmm. like I actively did something and then I got screwed, <laughs> or like I, I won. Like was my action. Me doing something was the reason I won. I don't know. I mean, I kind of just got lucky, you know. I don't know. Like, it's just, I do think, I think they both can feel bad, but I think more often than not, the latter, the the output feels, can feel the most worse. But yeah. also it can be really exciting. Like, oh my God, I'm a millionaire now. <laughs> <laughs> I've it invested in me, Bitcoin. <laughs> it reminds me a little bit of poker, actually. Yeah. It's another yeah. game that I played quite a lot of when I was a student. But that game is very much, you know, you draw bad cards sometimes, and that's just fine, whatever, right? You just make, you just, 
do what you do what you can with them. But sometimes you make the right play from a sort of every probabilistic, you know, it's yeah. like yeah. it even just makes sense, right? It just you have a really good right. strong hand. And then you lose because of the whatever happens later on, right? On down on the board. And it's a very interesting one because this also it also comes down to maybe this is it too. It it also comes down to kind of um kind of player agency and also uh, improvement and stuff because like the the way that humans get better at stuff is by trying something failing and then mm-hmm. redoing it and then trying again and if you're i guess like i, I guess it's like it's kind of, again it's still kind of the same like if you're you made your whole strategy around drawing this one card and then it never comes you feel kind of cucked right but it's like that's that's <laughs> a very specific situation whereas if you just draw some bad cards you're like okay well it was yeah that is like pure rng there's nothing i can do about that and then, but then if you like make a play and you're like, okay, this is, this, this is technically and strictly speaking the best play in your case, it's, you know, this thing does two to five damage. And if I get three, four or five, I'm going to win. If I get two, I lose. And then you hit that too. You feel like, well, I've been punished here for making like the correct play. And, but um, was it the correct play? Because there was like, do well, you think it probably is? Cause maybe you're like looking between several different options that have yeah. all got this random chance right and you're like okay well this is the least worst if i look probabilistic speaking and i run these all these scenarios a hundred times this one wins most more than the other scenarios okay, right yeah, okay. and, and that's very that's very much more like the poker scenario it's just like okay mm-hmm. i'm in a situation like what's it like what hands could he have that beats me how often does he have these hands and how often does he play that way with the cards that i beat okay well if it's tilted in my favor we should go for it you know and that's that's the philosophy behind mm. pretty much all of poker actually like boiled down into a nutshell um would he play this way like what's the range of hands that he would play that i beat what's the range of hands that he would play in this way that i don't beat is that in my favor or not yes or no and then you make a decision um and but it's weird because it yeah, it messes with your it messes with your heuristics on like what was good and what was bad when you make the right decision and lose and you're like damn i shouldn't do that in future right like your, your brain can't help it you have to yeah. be very strict about analysis and watch stuff back and go okay knowing what i knew then would i still make the same decision now yes okay well then it's a good decision you know or was there something else did i miss something would, would he actually not have played with this set of hands like really like think i sort of tricked myself in the moment to think like yeah he'd, he'd play that with you know just a, a low pair and ace on the board or whatever but like actually no he probably, he probably wouldn't you know i was just like in the in the moment and you go back and, and that's when that's how you learn from it but yeah it's, it's very easy to fall into that kind of it went wrong therefore thing bad which <laughs> yeah um not that many games have that. It's, you, you edge into it with this kind of randomness of, you know, oh, well now, now I should never play anything with any randomness. I should only go for the 100% certain ones. But then that means that overall you actually end up going to lose the game more because you're then only going for the certain thing. Yeah, it's, it's complicated. It's complicated, but it's, it's certainly interesting, especially when it comes to psychology. Yeah. I was trying to find, there was another game and I cannot, I just cannot remember what it's called. Like, it's, it's crazy. It's a top-down, turn-based, like, tactical, like, it's, it's a it's a strategy game right okay what is this thing you have you have like a squad of like four people it's it's in the future xcom yeah someone in chat's got oh, it straight yeah, away yeah 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 um so I, I played like a bit of xcom 2 and the output randomness in that game actually really upset me and prevented me really? from wanting to play it because i felt that there was enough randomness anyway in general like i felt like you could have like the hit and miss randomness that would be fine and there's fog of war and like you don't know what's happening like you don't know what the enemies are capable of like when their turns are going to be most yeah, of the time right. all this kind of stuff and then to have like the randomness on the damage too i was just like man it's just like it's just too much like you can set up a situation and the guys 
the guy who survives with like you know I mean, one sliver of health and then that's like the cornerstone that makes the whole the whole of your team dies i was just like god like loads of people love love XCOM, but like that bothered me and it's interesting to having this conversation because it reminded me of that game and about how i never finished it because i was just like this is too much right to have a, a game that's ongoing through like you have to it's it's a very sustain and momentum type game, right? You like you have your your characters that are permanent. When they die, they die forever, and you have to sustain that from one fight to the next. So you can go on a downward spiral and it makes the game really tough. And when the game, the actual games themselves, are so complicated with like RNG all over the place, and there's usually time limits too. I've I've actually have a friend who was like, you'd probably be better off playing like one of the modded versions where you remove the time limit because it just like it force feeds you through them like you just you have to just go into mm. the fog of war and half the time you get shot and it's just like it's i mean it's the game's really hard right don't get me wrong the game's really tough I, a little I, probably, bit. I probably didn't spend enough time in it overall to to be super good at it but either way i, I remember that bothering me for sure yeah and see i wonder if like instead you know you you did you know the stakes were high when you were playing and then you did get the lucky roll and you and you won you know would that have like changed your your perception you know and which which is kind of interesting in itself because it's almost like the success on the game is contingent on the dice roll happening like you not like the the success in your eyes of enjoying the game you know oh Mm. i love this game because i because the dice rolled in your favor versus I hate this game because the dice didn't roll in your your favor. You know what I mean? Like it seems very yeah. it almost seems like a problem to have too much variation uh cuz then you you sort of like increase the gap between players that love the game and and hate the game. So yeah. It's yeah, it's it's, it's a funny one. And there's no right or wrong answer. Some people some people like the randomness and it's it just depends and it changes the way that you play it too. But yeah, for for me personally, I thought it was just little there was just a bit too much i could have had a few things be a bit more precise so that you could plan a bit more because that's what i quite enjoy you know there's there's some games that are extremely formulaic there's an extremely old game on playstation actually yeah it was on playstation 2 um called dynasty tactics it's like actually part of the dynasty warrior series but it's a lot like i guess a really early basic version of like fire emblem or like any, any of those kind of those kind of games um which are sort of turn turn based and unit based and grid orientated but in that, it's like extremely formulaic and you could do you could set up these elaborate things and then like trigger them. And then all this stuff would happen in a chain reaction. And it was just like super satisfying. Whereas if like sometimes if it like one of the parts was like, oh, 50 percent of the time, this doesn't happen. And then it like you know, just breaks the rest of the chain. You just be like, man, I feel robbed of such a cool gaming experience. You know, mm. like maybe it's maybe it's maybe that's this is a me thing. Like maybe this is a me thing. You know, I like I like certainty. If you if you execute correctly, I quite like the certainty of of these things happening um in the right way um despite that i still quite like poker but i mean i guess there's the reason i don't play anymore so i don't yeah <laughs> i don't know yeah no it's it's all interesting um so since we're on randomness so much let me talk about this next uh chart here which is uh the luck and skill graph right so on the vertical axis he's got luck on the horizontal he's got skill at the very bottom of the axis, you know, where luck and skill meet, he's got tic-tac-toe again, because it's, you know, it's very low, or I guess, te- yeah, very yeah. low luck, and then very low skill, right? Yeah. It's just very, very formulaic. And then on the very top, you know, extreme luck, he's got shoots and ladders, which I don't know if you've ever played it, if maybe there's, like, some equivalent. The board game. Yes. Yeah, I, with I, snakes and ladders here. 
Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, I I remember playing it a few times as a kid, and it is very just like, oh, you landed here, back to the beginning. It's just yeah. completely random, right? And then versus, you got chess on the far right, which, you know, I've played a little bit of chess. I mean, I remember there's like this one classic opening move you do, and, you know, you could potentially get a checkmate or, or whatever in like a couple of moves. But my from what he said, it's like a very... Uh, linear formulate game like there's just like you just basically the game doesn't start open up towards the end that's when it becomes less mm-hmm. um like it's just very linear i guess so extremely it's very congested that's the thing that like the chessboard is very congested there's a lot of pieces for the space available yeah and i guess the pieces are are you know they they only do well they have set yeah, they, things yeah. they do they're very right? rigid with what they do too so. yeah um, and then, yeah, at the at the very top, uh, on high luck, high skill is poker, which I was like, oh yeah, this fits perfectly into what what you're saying, you know, which makes which makes sense, you know, you got a little bit of both there. Um, so I don't know, I thought I thought that was cool, and I it just I think overall though, the I I think I think a little bit of, of like both are are good are fine, you know, because. I think that the appeal of the input, sorry, output randomness, you know, you'd make a strategic decision and a random event happens. I think that can, it's, it's polarizing, you know, it can cause wide range of, of emotions. You know, you could be super excited because you won or you'd be super disappointed because you lost, you know, and uh, I, I see the, I see the value in there, but I do think, you know, obviously there's a there's a space for it. Otherwise, shooting ladders wouldn't exist, right? I mean, you know, but it's you know that's like a kid's you know <laughs> it's a kid's game, right? Is what I don't think there's any strategic decisions to make. You just roll the dice. It's purely random. You know, it's chaotic. Yeah, you actually don't have any like a player agency at all. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. It's uh, I mean, you know, there's something for everyone, I suppose, but. Uh, that's that's what I would say is I think it's mostly preference and in the case of Tarkov, you know, what is that's that's the question, you know, what is their philosophy on this stuff? Because I feel like we see kind of a mixed bag. It's a little bit of both, right? And we have like a lot of static things, as you said, like the pin, the damage. I mean, there's a there's there's a little bit of variation, right? But just just enough to give a little bit of play, right? Yeah, it's very yeah. small. It really makes no difference. Like right. the only place that you really see it manifest is in the armor damage itself, right? It's the you get small variations in armor damage. It's like we're talking like one to three pen difference around some middle level that you see on the ballistics chart. So, yeah, and like you know, gun jams. I mean, the strategic the thing you can do is you can do a strategic decision. Like okay, the the random event is the possibility of the gun jam. The strategic strategic decision is to have a gun above ninety two percent or ninety three percent, whatever it is. You know that's that's kind of it. But the inverse of that is the random event. You shoot a gun below ninety three percent, and you have a chance to jam. You know that's the that's to feel bad. But then again, you could have there's a clip on a short on Aaron's channel where this guy pistoling he, he was prone and shot once maybe and then the second shot jan he got a stovepipe or the <laughs> his little pistol had a little caliber sticking out or whatever it's called um shell casing, casing. Yeah, yeah yeah sticking out of his gun and you know he he, he got a lucky you know but airing one you know he, he got the lucky roll you know it's just 
that kind of like polarizing stuff. So I don't know. I I do I do find that in my experience, a lot of like the high level players, you know, et cetera, they they want like a very minimized amount of of randomness, and I totally get that sentiment. I mean, I feel like I was definitely there at one point. I mean, I I really appreciate Dota's two uh, pseudo random because it, it it's like yeah it's like a hybrid right it's still random but you basically get increasing odds so like you know phantom assassin for example the or ultimate it's a huge crit um but the percentage is like really low like five percent and essentially you know every non-crit you get the percentage goes up you know until you do get a crit and it jumps back down so you can like you can kind of do this strategy where like you load your your crits like you go hit Hit some jungle creeps a few times. Okay, I got I got four no crits. I should get a crit, right? But it's all it's still random enough where that you're not guaranteed on your next hit you're gonna get a crit. You know, you gotta you have those unlucky moments where you do get nine hits and no crits, and then you'll have those lucky moments where you do get two back to back crits. Like it happens, but it's a little bit more consistent brought into the middle, which I really like. I I also think it's a really good idea because it, it. it evens out those really long tails of, yeah. of unfortunate events and also flattens out. I don't know if it does it the other way around, but yeah, it just, it just prevents you just from feeling just you're getting, you know, ruined by RNG, right? It's just like, it always feels, it feels more consistent. It's like, yeah. it's not like every fourth hit you get whatever, but it's, you know, it'll be two and then five and then six and then three. You don't end up suddenly going for like nine hits without, without getting one, which like by pure randomness, you should do at some point. Um, and those things happen kind of more often than you expect because you remember those more. So it's it's definitely interesting. I, yeah, I don't know. It's just the whole thing about randomness is just is just intriguing. I feel like if there's enough going on, because in something like poker, it's fair enough because that's like the game is that's what the game is about. Whereas like Tarkov isn't about the Tarkov game isn't necessarily about randomness well, itself, right? Is it? I know that there's, I know that there's some like part of the design philosophy is about you know random like sometimes things happen or whatever, but. The game is about moving around the map, positioning, shooting skill, like all this other stuff. There's all these other things going. And I don't mind that there's some randomness, but I feel that if you introduce too much randomness, you end up kind of ruining it a bit, right? Like adding some randomness makes games in, can make games more interesting. But then if you add too much, it overrules all the other mechanics and just becomes the, the thing that everyone's worried about, right? Well, especially when we had... You know, when 12.12 first came in and the recall shot up and no one could really move around anymore and stuff, like most fights were just people stepping out from cover and both players just holding down mouse one until someone gets a headshot. And that just felt really bad. It just decreased the skill cap downloads and it's like you're both, you know, as, as if you're playing a game where both of you are just trained on each other and as soon as the light goes green, you just have to hold down mouse one and the first person to get a, a headshot is the person that wins, right? It's like, again, it's like rolling the dice for the ladders game. So you can you can mm-hmm. add too much to make it not work. Right. Um, so there's a healthy balance to be had, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. There's there's a a balance. Is yeah, I've been there's something for everyone, but I I think generally speaking, a balance is probably going to serve the broadest audience mm. uh, the most. So this yeah, this is interesting. Is because I don't actually know you know what BSG's design like internal approach to this is because this is the thing that's weird about tarkov is like what is the game objective you know like in, in chess it's it's very clear um but like in tarkov like what is what is you know survive is kind of like the general thing okay so how do i like and how do i survive 
better? Like, how do I achieve that goal? Well, it's like, you know, don't die or, you know, then you start getting to the more economical stuff, which I think kind of plays into like the RNG side. But, this, you know, essentially you can, you're rewarded for surviving by looting things, which that's kind of like random in of itself. Like, what gear did those players bring in? What did you get from those containers? You know, oh, et cetera, et cetera. Then you sell it on the market or, or maybe you do the, the safe route with the, with the traders. But that's kind of like the measurement of how much you're winning. You know what I mean? Like your representation of how good you are is like the the economical side of it. I mean, you you could you could say survival rate, I, I guess. But you know, I would kind of make the argument that that the your stash is the representation of that because that it directly affects your performance potentially <laughs> in in the future. You know what I mean? Like if mm. I have zero rubles, zero items in my stash. My chances of survival are not very good, <laughs> statistically speaking. I, I I feel like right. Whereas if I have at least something to protect myself, you know, I mean that's like the whole argument with <laughs> with gun rights. You know, it's like uh, if someone's gonna have a gun, I'm gonna want a gun also to defend myself. You know yeah. what I mean? It's just like it's it's for survival. You know, stand your ground, brother. You know what I mean? But, <laughs> I, so I mean, what do you think? Am I making a, a legitimate case? Here arguing that the economics is is sort of tied intrinsically to survival. Is that the point of the game is is to survive and and your rating and how good you are at surviving is linked to your economical stash value? It is. I mean, that's one aspect to it. I suppose this sort of this is almost in a whole another topic of you know, looking at somebody's stats and saying, you know, is this player good or bad at the game? You mm-hmm. know, it's like it's one of those really complicated questions where you go, oh. Look at this guy's survival rate. You know, it's 40%. Oh, he sucks. And then it's like, oh, okay, but he's got, you know, he's level 61 and he's got 200 million stash value. It's like, okay, so this is, so, okay, so the rate that he does survive, he does okay at, and his PMC KD is like really high. I don't know, whatever, right? Because he's like pushing all the, all the fights. Or someone who's got 71% survival rate. It's, oh, they must be really good, but they're level 25 and they play mostly their scav and they've got 96 million rubles in cash. You know, it's like, it's, it's, it's really weird. But to, to your point itself, there is obviously some kind of connection there, right? Like people look at stash value, see how much gear people have. They use that to get a, a judge of how, how good players are at the game. But yeah, I mean, that's kind of like, as, as we were talking about, it, I was thinking, yeah, because obviously the loot's random and people complain a lot about the loot that you get in marked rooms as well and the various key card rooms, because that's random too. And sometimes you hit on the lucky jackpot. Um, less so now because there's just less high-end items to go around. It's not like you go in there and there's the weapons case like, you know, could have been back in the day. Which honestly is a real shame. Genuinely real shame that some of those moments have been removed from the game because of RMT and all this stuff. I think that's probably where Tarkov has been, has suffered the most actually. Um, I mean, again, this is a different, this is sort of a different topic, but I was just given I was thinking about it because you don't have those moments of like, oh, it's X and I need to leave because it's worth, you know, some crazy amount of money. But yeah, so the looting is, is still RNG, whether you find a marked key or, or whatever, so, you know, some other high-value items, a, a purple card, you know, for labs, that kind of thing. And some people find them and some people don't. So yeah, I don't know. Because Nikita said many times that the game is about sometimes there's things out of your control that you can't do anything about, and sometimes you just lose even if you're fully prepared, which all kind of sounds like, you know, he wants the randomness in there and he wants people to just randomly die even if they've done the right stuff sometimes, because right. that's just life. Um, but no, I I think I would agree in that most people 
would look at you know your economic success and see whether that and then say that that sort of drives your perception of how successful you are in the game because what you can buy and it's like a combination isn't it it's like your money plus your trader levels it's like what once you've got max traders and a bunch of money you're seen as kind of like having made it or whatever mm-hmm. I, I still find it surprising now and this has actually happened more because i think there's a more casual audience over on youtube more so on the youtube side now that i've been on there for a little bit longer doing my regular streams i get more comments i get comments over there much more often than i used to on twitch of people being like how did you get so much money and i'm there like sat looking at my stash just like i have like you know, 12 mil or something i'm like not you know very it's very average <laughs> to me anyway i'm like man it's like i've had way more money in the past so it doesn't necessarily feel like i'm and i'm not really focusing on it so i don't really and so i'm often like surprised mm. by when i get those comments by those by those people they're like oh how did you get so much money like what's what's your what's your trick to making so much money in this game and i'm just like oh i don't know man i just play p and just loot some items and sell them you know, it's like, <laughs> i don't know what to tell you so it's a guy that never loots <laughs> yeah that's the thing like I, I do loot a few items on the way through mm-hmm more bit more these days um this is this is very much a side tangent but i've actually been enjoying obtaining cash more so this time because i'm kind of like focusing on getting uh, more thick cases and things and it's actually been quite fun i've been i've been actually enjoying that game loop more than i have in the past i don't know why but i just have <laughs> Monkey but yeah no, it's, it's a yeah. narrow activation <laughs> yeah i don't know like it never really bothered me before but i don't yeah. know why now it seems to be more important i think because things are getting more restricted right i'm more like i find myself prioritizing more mm-hmm. having the space to hold all the things so that i then don't have to scrabble around trying yep. to buy stuff from traders so it's yep. like i want to make sure i have six ammo boxes full of every kind of ammo because like i don't use the same gun all the time right it's like right. partly because of me partly because of content creation i don't want to be using the same stuff all the time because i can't make the same video about the ak-101 four weeks in a row you know <laughs> so like i need to use a different gun so i can check it out and it's and it's interesting as well so, but that means that I need to have 555 one 995, BP, M61, M62, M80, you know, 45 rip. I need 9mm AP. I want to have some PPP in there. Like, because I, I don't ever really know exactly what I'm going to look at next. So I just want to have, you know, all the armors that I want to use. Like, you can only buy two TTSKs and they're in vogue for me right now. So I've got like six of them. They're all in like boxes. So I'm not going to run out during stream. Like, I'm, I'm prioritizing that a lot more now than I am the other stuff, you know. I think that's maybe the reason why. So, yeah, I've been I've been enjoying the grind for thick. I've just bought my third thick case and I've been crafting moonshine for it. And it actually happens quite quickly if you're just continuously crafting. And that's I think maybe it's the thing that surprised me about doing it that way. Because I don't know, like I, I'm very you know I'm very stingy with my cash in Tarkov, and there's still the element of like I like having big number. It's just fun yeah. to have big money number. Like what's <laughs> there's there's nothing wrong with that. You know, there's nothing wrong with no, that. Um, if it starts getting in in the way of your play, like and I still. You know, scrape out on all sorts of stuff. I could probably go way more like big than I do, but um, I do. I like to do a mixture. I like to do a mixture because sometimes you want to go kitted, sometimes not, because then it gives you ideas and blah blah, blah content side again. But um, it feels nicer to increment your way into a thick case through yeah. crafting, and you buy the sugars when they're cheap, and then you craft, and, da, da, and it just like you slowly rather than making twenty five mil and then dropping like fourteen mil on it and going down to eleven mil and then building back up to twenty five mil. It feels nicer to just slowly like to, to slow your progress from eleven mil to twenty five mil and then to finally buy one. Or like say you rather than getting twenty five mil, you go up to fifteen mil instead from eleven mil because you're spending money just incrementally throughout. Right, and then you have a little right. thick all of a sudden you're like, hey this feels great. It actually just it's it mentally just feels nicer. Yeah. I can't I mean, really it's, explain it. Yeah, no, I mean I mean 
I, I could try. It's kind of like having a, a savings account, you know, like if, if you're, you're sort of like, mm-hmm. instead of just buying the new VR headset and, you know, going bankrupt, like you, you, you sort of like incrementally put money away, so to speak, towards that over the long course. And you still have that emergency fund, you know, if you have a bad streak in Tarkov or whatever. I mean, that I've, I've done the exact same thing, you know, buy or craft a bunch of moonshines, get the whole of Dinks, you know, storm up there, and eventually, slowly but surely, you know, <laughs> using the non-founding rate abuse, putting the LEDXs or ophthalmoscopes in my butt and dying, it's like, oh, that can go towards a thick case, you know what I mean? It's like, so, um, but, you know, yeah. the, tie, tying it back to, to randomness here, Yeah, I, I, wanted, I wanted to say, this is why I think that it feels doubly bad in Tarkov with the randomness. But also feels doubly good. So it's like you. I'll, I'll use an example I saw in in your chat here. So someone said, uh, "Example of RNG doesn't feel good in Tarkov." Three thirty eight AP round being shot at six hundred meters and ricocheting off a helmet. Okay, so breaking that down, right? You invested uh, a portion of your your value, right? You've 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 done a lot of good raids. You know, you're a good player. You're getting rewarded because you're looting stuff. You're extracting. Maybe you're killing players. You're taking their loot. So your value's gone up. So now you're going to invest that into a really expensive item that's that's like a really good item, right? But it still has. There's still the laws of RNG that exist in Tarkov, like ricochet chance, you know, or using like the let's say accuracy. Okay, I mean it's not really a big deal in like Tarkov, you know. VSS yeah, snipers. Mm. <laughs> there's like a, yeah, that's like there's like a few of these cases, but you know, did I get the arm fracture or not? You know, he got the arm fracture, he won the firefight. These things still exist, but so you have like that's I think this is why we see a lot of the your average player doesn't invest a lot. They're not gonna put a lot of their value into these things because like, yes, they do give them direct buffs. Like five five six A one is worse than M995 um in a general sense i mean maybe there's some yeah i mean i guess you could you could argue it a few different ways but just on the stats alone we would say by and large mm-hmm. it, it's better but there's a cost to it that you have to pay you know so if you're you're going to eat that cost in a raid and then if you die to a random event like a random roll it's going to feel really bad you're going to feel like your value that you put in it's almost like you're you're it it's like this weird conundrum where it's like your value is represented by your stash value or your your rubles whatever yeah. you invest that because hey i'm a, i got all this money you know i'm i'm really good this will make me even better and then you lose and it feels really bad and then on the opposite side you have people that i would say the majority will play it safe you know do like the more efficient thing where it's like they still have a lot of value and you can still like increase that but you're not like investing a lot in these direct raid you know survival enhancements because there's still the ever-present loom of the unknown and the random events of tarkov that will get you killed yeah it's yeah it almost makes me think with that particular example Mm -hmm. It almost makes me feel that, and I'm not sure, like this is just off the top of my head, so I don't sure. know, but I almost feel that with those, some of those items that are really super, super, super top tier, 
and I don't know how far you, you extend this, but that you may having the ability to remove some of that randomness might be good because that's actually how it works for gun jams. Right? So if you pay the price, you can remove the random feature by yeah. staying above ninety three by just refreshing your your base gun. I almost feel for something like, you know, maybe if it's finding raid only, like yeah, anything you can buy from the traders, sure, you're going to take the randomness. You're going to get the ricochet dings. You take in the 338 APs that you found three of through the whole wipe and you hit somebody in the head with it. You just remove the, you know, it has no ricochet chance on helmets or something like that. I don't know. I feel that that's like, that's fair. That's kind of fair. You know, you've like, you've paid the premium with with scarcity or whatever. Like it's not just outright cost. It's like they literally are not, not findable really. Like you can't, can't really get access to them. And in that sense, it would feel then fairer for those really top-end items. Because right now we're saying, okay, no matter how good you get, no matter how much you spend, and no matter how high a level item you get, someone still could just ding it off a Ratnik. And it, it, feels, <laughs> it feels rubbish, right? Or like it a pair of Condor bad. glasses. Yeah. It feels bad. So it almost feels as if for some of those top-end items, you'd say, right, and this is the part of its special trait that it removes the RNG, you know, and it's but... like... <laughs> It's true when you fire it, it and, and then you got to be good. Still got to do all these stuff, still got to hit the headshot and da da da. So, something like 338 AP, I feel that, that makes me feel better. But here's here's the thing, right? Mm. And this is interesting because this was talked about too in, in the Marvel Snap DDC was there's a transfer of joy. Your loss in happiness is directly given to that guy that got the <laughs> that got the dinged off his helmet. Like he survived, you know, maybe you know, maybe he kills you later or whatever, but. Like your loss of joy is now net gained by him. Like he's now joyful <laughs> because of that random interaction, you know? And like, I don't know. It's, it's, I mean, it's one way they address that was they have bots. They have like their matchmaking. Um, if, if you, if they see you losing too much, you'll go up against bots and, and they'll throw, you know, if you're winning too much, right. they'll, they'll, you know, read your mind and, and beat you, you know, that's kind of how they balance that out. But, nonetheless it's interesting in tarkov because there is like a net change you're losing they're gaining so nothing's really been lost <laughs> it's just been transferred maybe maybe but the same guy the guy on the receiving end here we're talking about you know the, the average helmet user or whatever and there's someone's mm. using class three class fours you know da 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 and they're going to ricochet some shots and not ricochet other things whereas on the on the bullet side it's like some bullets are really bad and some get better and better and better and better and some are like literal gold dust and mm-hmm. I feel that like the the feels bad around the three three eight AP outweighs the the positive experience from deflecting the shot because you won't even know which bullet it is actually when you're receiving it, um, unless it unless it blacks something else out at the same time. And so I feel that there's actually maybe it's a, there's an imbalance in like the strength of that emotion because if you go in with M80 and it bounces off a helmet, you go like okay, fair enough as a player. You go like I've been saving these five rounds for the entire wipe, and I right, hit like right. an epic headshot over 600 meters. It's like you know an insane gaming moment because it's like super rare thing, and you hit the shot and all this other stuff like right. it has to be in the right place and it connects and then it dings off. You're just like. Ah, like it, it ruins all of that, right? Like if it's for an M80, I, I understand. I, I, it makes sense. But I actually think that this situation is asymmetric. I do. If there was no ruble value, like if rubles, you delete a ruble from this game, right? And you just had a bunch of choices. Would you still feel the same? Then it would be, then it wouldn't, then it, then it wouldn't matter as much. Then it wouldn't matter as much. It's because okay. it's, it's because it's such a, such a rare thing. It's so impactful. And, and uh, this is kind of, how I open this, I don't know where you draw on the line there, right? It's like, do you put it on M61? Well, probably not. That's, you know, do you put it on stuff that you can only craft in the workbench? Like, does mm-hmm. that have the randomness removed? I don't know where you draw that line because at some point, 
everybody starts using it and then no one has the randomness again like we had the system right. with the, the thing right it's like only the chats then, have no randomness and everyone else suffers it's like well that feels right. bad so that's how why do, i'm like okay well, yeah how do you balance that but i feel that you can definitely set it on the finding rate only rounds and that's i think that's a that's a 100 percent like for sure for me no problem you know 7n 40 mm-hmm. a 338 ap you know ssa ap for the, like how often do people use the the bullet above m995 ssa ap and the other one for 762 by 39 i don't even have any of those bullets this wipe i've not seen either of them for 556 or 762 not got either of them but if those kind of bullets remove the randomness fair enough that would feel okay to me you know all right so let's do this then we got to wrap up here quickly but let's do so mm. let's do that right the ap lapua ap has we remove the random, so you get no fragmentation, no ricochet. Like it's 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 the most consistent round. Okay, mm-hmm. now let's do the same thing, but opposite on the bottom end. Okay, what if you took like one of the nine by nineteen Makarov rounds and gave it like ninety nine percent? No, actually, what would you do? One percent chance to like one tap you, but it's like super cheap and it's like a super freakish thing. Like, is that does that balance it out? Because then if you have as you as you said, if you have like the top end stuff be extremely consistent, like virtually always consistent, then how do how do you get those David and Goliath moments, those upsets for like the people that don't have that stuff? You know, like how do they compete? Because they they're stuck with the shitty random guns, essentially. You know, That's the true. random stuff. In some ways, I don't know. I almost feel that the underdog versus the geared player thing these mm. days is actually more fair than ever has been and a lot of the mechanics around undergeared players versus overgeared players typically actually don't come down to rng in my opinion because a lot of it is leg meta where the damage is very consistent yes you're it's rng on where the buckshot like pellets actually go but like you know if you're close enough and you connect with a ks23 with magnum buckshot and a 153 or 155 or even a revolver shotty whatever you want that's actually quite consistent. And then again, not that many people are using face shields. So you have to aim and shoot and hit them in the eyes or hit them in the jaws. But if and the face shield... There, like if, if there's a face shield there, I, I understand well, that. Well, I'm that, saying that if, makes sense. if the face, the wrist tee was like consistent, you know, there was like no, um, like there was no rolls. Like they had to have another consistent round to pin it. Do you know what I mean? Like, do you make... In other words, what I'm saying is like if you take all the top tier stuff and you make it no RNG, it means that they also have to have top tier stuff to compete. I mean, we're kind of using the false framework because as you as you're saying, you can shoot them in the leg, right? So I guess that that would be your answer to that. Then, kind yeah. of, yeah, because I just feel that the the yeah the David versus Goliath mechanics are just very different mechanics, and and we're talking about the very fringe situation where you use something insane. So like even the top players aren't able to use this stuff consistently. So I don't feel like the situation is broken because these rounds are very very rare and very very special mm-hmm. use them for very particular opportunities and but if you do then i think you should be rewarded for it whereas yeah the the other the situation the other way around i don't know if you want people to just like die randomly from their shot it's certainly i mean it's certainly interesting to have like more randomness on the gut like the nine by eight bullets so like the, yeah like the yeah. flesh damage like have more some randomness there so that sometimes they just you know sometimes you do low damage and you go whatever and i was going to die anyway and sometimes you do high damage and just kill them because it like blows their leg off or like it's, it, i don't i'm really i'm not sure i'm not, I'm not sure whether it's, it's kind yeah, of neither. intriguing to me it is intriguing it's, but it also sounds 
it almost sounds well, like sounds nothing's really changed. Well. Yeah, it's because like in one in once this is it's kind of like going back to the Dota two the pseudo random. It's like the system we have now, we can maybe say it's a little bit more consistently random versus the system we're proposing. We're basic, at least that I'm adding on to what you propose in the sense is being stretched further out between two extremes. On one extreme, you have at the top tier the most consistent stuff. It's super expensive, but you know it's it's never gonna do any random event versus on the very bottom like yeah it's dirt cheap but man take your look i don't know if this thing's gonna jam i don't know if it's gonna shoot a gl out of it <laughs> just try it you know <laughs> could you imagine like one ruble it's like a macarov and it randomly fires a random round or just, you know as it like a could like spawn a killer out <laughs> just like, go and kill stuff for you if you go mad now <laughs> yeah sorry. we got we got a little too extreme on the spectrum here <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, Cool. interesting stuff yeah that, this was fun i enjoyed i enjoyed that it was a lot of fun given we have to wrap up pretty quickly um should we just quickly cover the unrecord for a sec because there's not actually that much to say i had a little dig around i don't know how much reading you did on the game but i had a quick dig around like for those of you who haven't seen it there was a game that appeared across social media and i saw it on twitter and it was the this body cam game that's been i saw some some footage of it a while back. Someone said yeah. this is in prototype. Yeah. Um, it's in Unreal 5, which is pretty cool. And what it looks like is a, a first-person shooter of some kind. And uh, yeah, it's called Unrecord. And it looks like a VR game. It looks like a VR game. It isn't a VR game, but it looks like a VR game. That's what I thought it was when you yeah, first did it. Because it's recorded in that way like that you get from a VR recording where you've got that sort of fisheye lens right. kind of thing. Because it's the only real way to like showcase it properly. Um, on a, like a 2D screen. But it's quite intriguing because people started seeing this thing and being like, oh my God, this looks like real, almost like real life footage. It's actually insane because it's, it's, the body cam is separate from the gun. And they, a lot of people were saying that it was actually fake even at one point. And yeah. the guys actually, they like created a video where they were showing, you know, just moving the gun around randomly and like shooting the floor and all sorts of stupid stuff to say like, no, this isn't, this isn't, uh, isn't fake. It is real. We're actually, we're making this thing. And um, it's just, it seems fascinating, honestly. Like, after looking at it a little bit more, I don't know whether it's necessarily the fact that it's, whether the graphics are hyper-realistic in and of themselves, or whether it's just, like, the, the filming style makes it feel so real because it looks like real footage that we've not had in games before. So when you look at it, you go, this looks like real body cam footage. No other game has body cam footage, so therefore it can't be a video game, and it looks more realistic. I feel like there's definitely an effect like that going on yeah. with it. Um, and some of the effects, are, some of the lighting effects and things. What before we, before we just like jump into it properly, there's one thing that I found really interesting about the trailer was just like all of the effects and stuff. There's like particle effects. There's like you know, lighting, like lens flare. It's like it's complete. It's filled with effects, which is make it, makes it feel kind of realistic. There's actually quite a lot of like fog and stuff to create atmosphere. Mm. It like reminded me a lot of like the original inspiration behind the, the EFT lighting and why it looks the way it looks because it feels very realistic. But actually, when you're playing it as a gamer, Ultimately, it might mean that people can hide in dark corners and certain lighting elements are really dark inside and yada, yada, yada. Right? You need to change your gamma and stuff. So like, I did notice that in the trailer. And I thought, huh, I wonder if this is why Tarkov's like, design philosophy around the, the styling of fog and stuff like that indoors and interchange and things was like that in the first place. Because it, it does feel cool and it looks cinematic. Whether it's actually good to play is another question. But um, anyway, so the, the quick blurb, I'll just read this and then uh, you can tell me what you, what you saw about it. So it says, Unrecord is a single-player FPS that tells the story of a tactical police officer from the perspective of his body camera 
you work to solve a complex case and you'll need to use your tactical and detective skills to succeed. We've mostly seen just shooting, but there's like dialogue and, and, and other stuff. So what, what did you think on your trips around the net about this thing? Oh boy, man. I don't know, dude. I got a lot of mixed stuff about it. Um, I mean, I, I'll just say, I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, 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 it's interesting from like a gaming perspective, right? Um, it's interesting to interact with a game in that manner, you know, the, the body cam first person shooter, I guess you would call it. I don't, it's, it's, it's unique, you know, um, it's pretty cool. Now it, it, it is, you know, I don't want to be the, that, you know, oh, video games are making people more violent. You know, I, it's just, I am a little like hesitant because it, it did look, I think to the untrained eye, like if you just posted that clip, some like the clip that, was on Twitter, so you know wherever. I mean, tons of people were like, as you as you said, were like, this no, this ain't a game. This is real. You know, is this real? And and part of me is just like, I I don't know. I I, it's how real are we gonna get? You know what I mean? Like, what's the what will be the like v? You know, we got VR now. Like, it's just like I don't know. I like I I part of me is like I don't like that things are getting so real you know what i mean um mm. like I, I like the very keeping it very clear in the minds of people that you know this is like this is not reality you know what i mean but it's like where do you but you can like do a lot of cool stuff and like i, I may never get to be a soldier but like it's kind of cool to like it is cool to like go through the experience in a virtual setting yeah. and then have that story play out as well like you know whatever story comes with that so anyways it's just like long story short it's kind of a mixed bag for me um i'm interested to see what it's like and you know maybe we'll play it if the reviews are good i don't know yeah we'll have to see the the big question that i have just about like gameplay mechanics like how you actually play it is how do you control the body cam from the actual aim because it's it's got that weird like because no they're, they're completely dude. separate right and that's why I thought it was VR because that normally yeah. only works if you've got a touch controller in your hand and your head is doing the pointing and that's normally where you get to see you know the gun moving around like this like how do you even how do you even aim when it's like when the gun's like free floating like that like I don't even I can't imagine the control scheme that's going to make that work like does it only work with a with a controller or something like I don't I'm just like confused as to how that even functions. Yeah, that's the really interesting part for me as well. It's how the uh, playing in that that manner. I think that that's yeah. pretty interesting. Because like we talked before with Tarkov as well about and, and some other games that have got that kind of like box, right? So you can you can move the gun around in the box, and then at the edge, then it turns your character kind of thing. So yeah. maybe it's the same. So it's like, but then that would feel I don't know that would feel really strange. I think if it, if the box was really huge. It's almost like an edge pan RTS where like, you know, within the box, you're just like, and this, but when you go to the edge, then it starts to turn, but it means you can have yeah. to have your gun at the edges to turn at all, which I don't think is the way it didn't look like that when it was, when I was looking at the trailer. So it's hard to say, dude. That's, I, know. I know. And that's, and that's why it was like, oh, is this real? Oh, is this a VR game? You know, like it's, 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 it is very, it's pretty cool, honestly, like very cool yeah. uh, design there that they came up yeah. with cool concept there's there's really not that much about it like i, I did a bit of reading about it um mm. but there's just not that many people are able to well, there's just like there's nothing about it right now really yeah um, yeah i think so it's just it's, like 
I don't even know if it's a studio for just one guy. I can't remember, but they're like in Europe somewhere. I forget the exact country. They're called, they're called Drama. Drama. Developer Drama. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who they are. I'm not sure. But yeah, it's, it's intriguing. We will see. The unexpected success of Unrecord's video in 2022 has prompted us to accelerate developments so as not to lose our momentum and establish our identity. So there's no release date or even estimated year of release at this time. Mm-hmm. Who knows, man? Who knows? We're just going to have to see. The other game that was actually kind of interesting, I didn't expect to talk about this, but I might give it a go because I don't know much about it, was um, Ghost of Tabor. I don't know if you've seen that, but it's like a VR Tarkov kind of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've heard about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I might give that a try because I have a friend who was like, yeah, you should, yeah. you should try it out. It's insane. He was like, I've literally just like played for an hour or whatever. And like, I'm physically like sweating. <laughs> so I might, I might have to crack out the old CV1 Oculus and maybe give that a try. I might have a look into that, but I don't know much about it yet. So maybe I'll talk about that another time. Probably not next week because I'm going to be busy. But definitely an interesting one. All these things to look forward to. I'm excited for V Ryzen on the 17th update. It's going to be so epic, dude. I can't Is that wait. worth playing? Huh? Is that worth playing, V Ryzen? Sounds I'm, good. I'm, I'm definitely going to play it. I mean, I, I enjoy it, but I can't say for certain if you really won't. I can, I can say you need to get Marvel Snap, dude. Five-minute games, dude, on your phone. While you're, I mean, you're a gamer. <laughs> you have a phone. <laughs> no, I think you, it's so I quick, think like appeal. That's honestly, I mean, it's it was made for the mobile first, um, and yeah, I think yeah, because like Hearthstone, like it kind of goes on too long. That was always my issue. Mm. It sometimes goes on too long, and, and I'm very, I'm very, 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 very particular about that. I've said that many times. Yeah. Right, it's one of the reasons why I basically like I haven't quit the game, but like I don't play Dota two seriously right. anymore. I'm in the same because boat. it's like the timing thing. Yeah. It's like you press go, and then it's fifteen minutes before you even get in with the draft right. and the queuing, right. or whatever. And then the game can take anywhere from thirty minutes up to an hour and a half, and you're just like, yeah. I just don't have the ability to and, to, dude, to, to do that. <laughs> playing an hour of like a losing game, like <laughs> it's the worst feeling. It's in the world. so bad. From an RNG, that's way worse. Honestly, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, well, let's wrap this puppy up so we can get on to our lives. And thank you, audience members, listening always. Quick shout out to the Discord. Uh, check the description of the podcast or this video. If you want to join the Discord and chat with us and other members. So, yeah, see you all next week. Thanks for tuning in. Goodbye. Catch you later. <laughs> <laughs>